You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. everybody and welcome to another episode of the film feast podcast i am your host matt bledsoe uh and this week we are talking about some underrated 90s films uh to help me talk about it i'm happy to be joined by someone you've heard on this show cobwebs cult movies uh shock and awe film alchemist the vhs podcast i'm sure many more that i'm forgetting about it's everyone's favorite podcast guest carmelita valdez mccoy carmelita how are you doing hello matt i am fabulous <laughs> how are you my friend I'm doing great. I tried to get as many of your podcast credits in there as I possibly could. No need. <laughs> okay. I was just like, wow, she's been on a lot of podcasts. Uh, it's like, but you I are- I recently counted. Okay, oh. so this is the nerd that I am. Okay. I keep a spreadsheet. Oh, wow, okay. I- <laughs> I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I have a spreadsheet for everything. Oh, wow, okay. And I like counted it up and I I think I'm I'm getting close to 50 guest appearances. Wow, nice. Okay. Right? That's How did good. that happen? That's, that's good. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it happens because awesome people like yourself are so gracious to invite me back. So thank you. Oh, well, you're very welcome. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And we have a fun topic, I think, to talk about. Um, <laughs> might be a little, like, I'm going to have give some caveats. So I said underrated 90s movies. And yeah, I don't know about you. I did my best because the internet has made things weird with things I maybe <laughs> thought were underrated in like the 90s or even in the 2000s. And now it's 2022. And it feels like if you go on Twitter, every movie has a fan base. So I'm sure some things I will mention, people will be like, that's an underrated. Um, I should really call it like underrated, underseen, underloved. I think that would cover right the whole range of Stop. I, when I was, cause I concur coming up <laughs> with a list was really challenging because yes, everything gets reevaluated. <laughs> people find each other across the world via the internet. So yeah, it gets tricky. And then also you also run into that thing of like generationally as well like there are some things that I think of as like of course everyone's seen that but maybe a younger generation hasn't but I might not necessarily know that like it's tricky (laughs) it's very tricky yeah I have faith in our abilities and really this is for fun so that's true. It is all for fun. I just, I pained over this because we worked on this for like, I know I gave this idea like months ago. And then <laughs> I was like, I'm having a tough time there when the sound, I just told you before we started recording, I had like 30 movies in a giant list. I was like, 
looking at each one, like evaluating it and somehow like magically clicked like a week ago, yeah. the five. And I think it's pretty good. I, I feel like one's kind of a cheat. I don't know how many years are like this, that it might only be underrated, maybe underseen because it's so widely unavailable <laughs> that it kind of feels like a cheat almost like, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. So this is something again, <laughs> like for a person who, who might seem very unconventional. And in some ways I am, I'm also a person that very much thrives on structure. Like <laughs> there's this dichotomy of, of who Carmelita is chaos Excel and structure. It's like <laughs> the polar opposites all contained within one person. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm thinking of it like underappreciated. So that could mean yeah. critics hated it or, it got mixed reviews from audiences or, or not that many people saw it. I was like, okay, I'm going to try to stick to things that are around 15,000 views on IMDb or letterboxed only. And then I had to kind of abandon that because it was a little too rigid. I was, (laughs) yes, this is tricky. (laughs) And then I ran into, there was, there was some movies that I, I wanted to add on here, but I was like, wait, it would not be fair to put this movie on here if nobody can see it because it's not streaming. Yeah. And if you want to get a hold of a, a DVD, it's going to cost you $70. Like that's not going to work. I did that with one. I could, <laughs> could so I, yeah. I kept, I kept those off. I was like, it has to be either streaming somewhere, anywhere or have like easily accessible physical media that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg on ebay so that was nice of you four of mine well actually you know what's funny even the one (laughs) even the one that's unavailable has a i I think very cheap uh region b blu-ray on amazon you can just buy from amazon amazon prime it's like 18 dollars it's if you have a region food player, there's no reason not to own it because it's like the only way to see it on a, I have right. a crappy old DVD, of this movie too. And it was like looking, I watched it like on, it was like a potion stamp on my TV. I was like, what is that? I had to stretch the picture. It was horrible. And the movie was still played great. Um, but I'll talk about when we get there. But um, yeah, I think my thing was like, okay, is it one of these three things? Is it like genuinely underrated? Is it just underseen? Or do I think it's just critically like or but the public kind of hates it and I think it's good so if it hit one of those three um and it's weird because things that I know were not hits in the 90s are now beloved and things that I know were big in the 90s now people kind of forget about as younger people I think so like I if this was 10 maybe even 15 years ago like Last Action Hero a movie I love probably could have been on here I don't think it's underrated anymore (laughs) I think it's like anytime you bring it up people like lose their minds over it um yeah but I know that bombed. I know critics didn't like it, but now everyone my age is like, no, it was great. Uh, so um, yeah, it's interesting. So I did my best. That's all I can say. Uh, so. Yeah, this was, I'm going to tell you, this was a trip down memory lane. <laughs> That's good. I hope I, a good trip. I, down memory- <laughs> I took a sentimental journey, my friends. Oh, okay. Tell you. <laughs> and oh. it was like, it wasn't until I had finally nailed down this is the five ironclad, not going back <laughs> on it. No more revisions, not making any changes, no second guessing. But then I started to see some of the patterns. Oh, okay. <laughs> in this five. And I was just like, this is very much a snapshot of the it's, a, it's very telling. 
Uh It's very telling about the person I was in the nineties and the person I am today. So it's fascinating. I'm very excited. More revealing than I meant it to be. (laughs) I said before we started, I think your list is going to be more interesting than mine or cooler. I, you know, I just say, I feel like it's going to be a, who knows? We don't know that. (laughs) I I don't believe that. I don't believe that for one second. Well, we can do it. So we can, uh, we're going to skip the usual, like, what have we seen lately whole section? Cause I told you, I have been watching nothing but stuff for podcast research, like for this episode and the next week episode, I have just nothing to talk about really. And no new stuff, even like I, the last thing I saw that was new was Dr. Strange. And we talked about that with Daniel. So, um, right. so yeah, we got plenty of stuff to talk about, so we can just get right into Let's this. Do it, my friend. So, so we want to go, we want to, Forward. trade off back and forth. I think that's the best way to do it. And I was gonna let you go first. You're the guest. So fabulous. So I'm just, mine are just going to go in chronological order. These are not rated. I did not oh, okay. rate these <laughs> like one better than the other. I'm just going to go in chronological. Order. That's how, that's how mine are. I just kind of, well, not chronological. I just went kind of a random order of how I want to talk about them. And nice. I would also say, if I had to say this, these aren't even like my, I think these would be five most underrated movies in the nineties. It's just, it's just five no. underrated movies in the nineties. It's just exactly. I pulled them out of a list. <laughs> like, I think they're all good. I like them all, but I'm like, this is not what I think are the five most underrated. Um, and I could do probably other parts of this. So this is just five. I just want to put out there that I think are interesting so yeah okay glad you said that no we are on the same page okay so just so everybody knows <laughs> not saying that this is like the definitive oh god no yeah. <laughs> best most under no 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 no, no none just, of that the five i wanted to talk about the five you wanted to talk about and there's going to be plenty to talk about i have yeah. a feeling we're gonna we're gonna touch on some things so So my my first one, the oldest of these movies, which the nineties was so long ago now. I know. I don't, I don't like it. (laughs) It flips me out. I, so, so my, my first movie is Untamed Heart from 1993. Never even heard of this movie. (laughs) 1993. Mm -hmm. It's so long ago. It's about to be 30 years ago. Oh, it's almost 30 years. Oh, dear God. <laughs> That's God. fucking crazy. Oh. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> we're gonna stop doing that. That's I okay. Got That's that okay. out of the way now. So, Untamed Heart. You can't, you've never seen this? Oh, my God. I've never even this. heard of this. I gotta look this up while you're, while you're talking about uh, it. So. Okay. So, yeah. When people talk about romance movies of the 90s, Sleepless in Seattle, Titanic. Forget that. <laughs> this. Untamed Heart from 1993, directed by Tony Bill, written by Tom Sergio. I'm going to mispronounce so many names tonight. So let's just, (laughs) like anything I pronounce tonight, you can just assume it's pronounced wrong. (laughs) And so just putting it out there. Anybody start pronouncing it like me because it'll be wrong. (laughs) And this was this guy's first screenplay credit. And most of his credits on IMDb are for stunt work. Oh, so that's okay. It's really interesting. So this movie stars, okay, check this out. Christian Slater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the loves of my life. <laughs> Marissa Tomei. Okay, uh-huh. <laughs> Listening. Rosie Perez. Okay, uh-huh, this is okay. good. <laughs> what could be dreamier than Marissa Tomei and Christian Slater 
falling in love. That's a beautiful couple. I don't know. <laughs> you want this in your life. <laughs> it's, um, and like when I talk to people around the same age as myself, they're all familiar. Either they saw it and liked it or didn't like it or, or they've heard of it, they're aware. And most people go, oh, that's the Christian Slater baboon heart movie. <laughs> Wait, oh my God, I have heard of this. I didn't know what it was called. Yes. Oh this my God. Is the Christian Slater baboon heart movie. Wow. Okay. Yes. And let me tell you, I'm a person who in my kind of regular everyday life has embraced a Vulcan philosophy around huh. emoting and feelings, but I'm a prodigious. I mean, I am the biggest movie crier. Oh, like okay. movies is where I go to just ugly snot cry. <laughs> and this movie gets me every single time. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's, and there's like, there's moments of levity, but it is a drama and like it gets, it gets, it's very sweet and it gets kind of sad. And there's this beautiful, the music is great in this movie. There's like, there's this instrumental motif of the song nature boy that plays it's, and it's part of the story. Okay. Kristen Slater's character has a record of this song. Uh, there's like fun music, like the, one of the most nineties songs ever, the remix of, uh, Suzanne Vegas, Tom's diner. Oh do, yeah. Do, 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 yep. Do, do, do. yeah. <laughs> That's yep. in this, mm -hmm. the fashions it's, this is an amazing movie. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I go to bat for this movie as like, if you want a nineties romance, this is the movie that you want. Wow. Okay. This I've never, yeah. When you, I never heard the title, then you said it was the Pepoon Heart movie. I was like, yes, I have heard of that. Yep. Um, See? But a, a movie I never really hear me talk about. It could also, this is the thing I think D our friend Daniel Epworth brought up that romance movies, romantic comedies tend to not get kind of revered in the same way. Sure. Like they don't like people want to talk about the horror movies from the 90s and the action movies from the 90s, but not the dramas. There's so many dramas from the 90s that like, you know, that no one yeah. brings up anymore. <laughs> so now you part of it doesn't fit like a cool, you know, thing for film Twitter to bring up. I don't know, <laughs> but um, I'm adding it to the list. I really I need to see this. Just the cast no, alone. Please do. Okay. The cast oh. is amazing. Marissa Tomei has never has never been like, like you fall in love with her in this movie. That's what happens everywhere I watch Marissa Tomei. <laughs> no, like, Aunt, my Aunt friends. May, I love you. Okay. <laughs> yes, but trust me, you're going to lose your mind. She is so sweet and she is so... I don't, there's just something about her in this movie. It's magical. Wow. And Christian okay. Slater, <laughs> you know, like if you've seen him in things like, like Heather's where he kind of does almost his Jack Nicholson bit. Right. Or pump up the volume where he does, <laughs> you know, the big loud, which I love all of those. Yeah. This is the same year this, as True Romance too. 93. Right. Yeah. 
this movie, he does this like, like kind of like sweet angelic, like tortured angel thing. <laughs> like, cause he's so melancholy and like childlike, but not in like a gross, creepy way. <laughs> But in, like, just a, but in just like a very endearing, like you just want to reach out and hug him and stroke his hair and give him a glass of water. Wow. I mean, yeah. you just sold the shit out of this movie. So I feel like I'm like, yeah. I'm in. I need to go watch this tonight when we finish recording. <laughs> I'm telling you, you, it will make your heart so warm and gooey. And you might cry. I mean, I might. I'm, I'm telling you right now, like have your tissues ready or a the, long sleeve shirt that you can wipe right. it a blanket nearby you're gonna uh, listen, need to the older i get i don't know what happens i be i cry more at movies like than i ever did when i was younger i don't know what was wrong with my cold dead heart when i was younger because <laughs> i always felt pretty like uh like i was pretty empathetic and emotional but like yeah once i hit my 30s it was like everything made me cry like you know the man on this fire and talking about oh, i was just like i watched that i didn't shed a single tear when i first saw it this time i just see the clip and i just start weeping <laughs> like, oh, yeah. i cried in the movie theater at man on fire i it, apparently i was an awful yeah. teenager because no, i was this is like... what it is this is uh -huh. my theory anyway the longer that you live the more experiences you have so you're and so whatever empathy you've already been kind of building yeah. in your life now you have personal experiences to to bolster that and so you like really feel it that does make sense that's kind of what like I once you've had yeah. loss in your life once you've had love in your life once you've had frustrations all these like you have these experiences and it takes that feeling for other people to the next like to another level because you really know what that feels like because you've had more life experiences to draw from. That's, I mean, that's probably, yeah, that's probably it. So now anything can get me. I don't, I'd be surprised. I'm just like, how did that make me cry? Uh, so yeah. I do it right. on purpose sometimes. Like I could use a cry today. I, I get it. Not because I'm like, <laughs> not because I'm in a bad place, but just like, I could use like that yeah, release. It feels nice to get a good cry it out. Nice. I'm not scared to admit that. Uh, it's just yeah. like, and, uh, I think I've put on like clips that I know what made me cry almost immediately. Mm -hmm. If I feel like I need to cry the beginning of up, I know it's, I know it's oh, like cliche, guaranteed. but like guaranteed. I'm like, I know this made me cry. So we're great. <laughs> like, um, yeah. All right. Untamed heart. I have songs too. This... There's certain songs. That, oh, like, okay. If I want to like, really like, <laughs> get a good cry on there's certain songs that'll do it and by that token with songs it's even trickier because if it comes on the radio when you're like driving in the car with other people or at yeah. work or something <laughs> then that's kind of embarrassing like, i don't want to cry right now yeah i want to pick no. and choose you want to pick and choose the time you're right. going to be exactly. crying <laughs> oh <laughs> welcome to crying feast everybody <laughs> so, talk about all the times that we cried uh hey no, everybody I, does it that's true that's true. I, yeah, I think I was more open about it now when I was a kid. I was like, I can't cry. I gotta be, I gotta be tough. And now I don't care. <laughs> so, um, let okay. it out. Wow. Uh, do you want to say anything else about this movie? I feel like you sold it very well. Like in that short, no, just please watch it. Okay. Untamed heart Trust from 93, me. right? Yes. Okay. You will fall in love with this movie, <laughs> man. I feel like my first pick is like the opposite, <laughs> the complete opposite direction of what you just did. So. No, that's good. That's good. Okay. Uh, 
All right. Uh, the first one I have is a movie from 1998 uh, starring <laughs> Marky Mark uh, called The Big Hit. Have you seen The Big Hit? No. What is this? The Big. So, yeah, Year After Boogie Nights, uh, they put Mark Wahlberg in this action movie directed by a Hong Kong director named Kirk Wong. And The Big Hit is like one of the most like Hong Kong American movies I've ever seen. Like, I feel like it's okay. one of the best at approximating the Hong Kong style. Cause I feel like a lot of um, action movies, nineties took from the Hong Kong action, but they took all the cool stuff <laughs> and like those movies can get kind of goofy and kind of silly and funny. And I feel like they try to drop all that. The big hit like doesn't drop any of that. And it's, I saw this when I was a kid. I don't know why I saw this when I was a kid because it's a hard R. <laughs> It's like um, very, uh, what's the word? Not a word for children, but uh, it's, I was like, oh, I saw this all the time as a kid. And I could see why I loved it because it's this hyperactive action comedy um, that Mark Wahlberg plays a hitman named Melvin Smiley, who's like very kind of socially anxious, I think he's described as. And he, uh, he keeps saying throughout the movie, he's like, I just want everyone to like me. I just want everyone to like me, bro. Like, he's like I just need everyone to like me. And uh, uh, he's this hitman who wants people to like him. At one point, one of the guys who works with him is like, you killed dozens of people. I bet their families wouldn't like you. <laughs> it's like, um, so it's like got this very like silly tone, like, uh, and it's way more, like way more comedy than I even remembered it being. I thought it was way action heavy, but it only has like, maybe like three kind of big action set pieces there opens a really fun one that's insane like mark Wahlberg's like jumping around like a freak and like yeah. it's like, i'm pulling uh, this up right okay. now on letterboxd because i'm like where did this come from <laughs> like i know this is well liked amongst like some of our friends on action twitter actually it's so funny it just came right. up literally like an hour before we started recording this and i almost commented but but i just was like i won't say anything but uh so it's got mark Wahlberg, lou diamond phillips christina applegate avery uh, Avery Brooks, Bokeem Woodbine, and Tony Sabato Jr. <laughs> it's like um, that's a fun cast. There's there's some very, names in there that I very much appreciate. And it seems like everybody's having fun and like is really with the tone of the movie. Like, um, especially like, Bokeem Woodbine is really funny. <laughs> yes, this is a weird. There's so many. There's so many weird comedic touches. He has a weird subplot where he just so weird to say he just started. He just started masturbating for the first time as an adult man. He's like, guys, this is great. That's like his whole and they're grand like, you, discovery of his they're life. Like, they're like, you just did this. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, he can't stop basically. And, Better late uh, than never. Yeah. This is true. Like they're all, I mean, they're they're four hitmen. It's like, you know, they Mark Wahlberg, it kind of becomes like they try to do a job, they try to kidnap this girl. Um, but then it's kind of uh the girl they kidnap that causes a lot of problems and uh because her dad is uh i won't go into it there's a, it's like it's kind of complicated basically it's like they right. kidnapped the wrong girl it causes a lot of problems because powerful people are connected to her um that's the problem and mark Wahlberg kind of has to like keep her there's a whole like funny sequence where so his fiance is from applegate and he's hiding this girl at his house and he's like it's like a sitcom almost. he's running around like trying to hide her from christina applegate and her parents who were played by elliot gould and uh, Lainey Kazan, who were nice. great as her parents. So it becomes like this kind of funny thing. Mark Wahlberg's really like actually kind of sweet and charming because this is like really early, yeah. like, young Wahlberg. Like, 
And I, he hasn't found, I think, his Mark Wahlberg thing yet. So he's still kind of like vulnerable. Because uh, right. he's like this vulnerable hitman. He's like, he's like killing people. He's like, I want everyone to like me. And it's, I don't know. The action's really fun. There's a pretty amazing fight at the end. Um, it's pretty wild and crazy. I could see the tone almost being too much for some people because it's like so over the top and like so goofy. But I kind of love it like for that. Um yeah, it's wild. I feel like, I don't think it was even a big hit when it came out. And I feel like I've heard even less people talk about it since then. Um, except again, people on Twitter will bring it up and be like, oh, the big hit's great. But like in my normal life, no one has mentioned this movie in like 25 right. years. So um, yeah, it's yeah, I, a good time. <laughs> you and I were, were talking off air. The late nineties is, there was a lot going on personally. So my memory of what I watched in like 97, 98 over the years has gotten very fuzzy. Understandable. And so <laughs> I, I would not be surprised if after this episode comes out, one of my siblings goes, what are you talking about? We watched that. It's possible. <laughs> but right this second, you're describing this to me. I have no knowledge. So it is now officially on my watch list. Okay, good, good. I, uh, yeah, I, I rented it a lot back in the day. I don't know how I got away with it because like, I think I asked Mike recently, I was like, was it rated P13? He goes, oh no, it was not rated P13. It was like a hard R. It was like, I watched it. It was like, oh, okay. I see why now. <laughs> like a lot of language, the violence, obviously. Um, yeah. But no sex. No, there's like sexual situations, but no actual sex. Okay. Like, um, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing like explicitly sexual. It's weird. I think you see more like you see some dudes butts. I think there's some, Okay. <laughs> if you want to see mean, it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it, it, maybe it squeaked through because of Marky Mark's boyish charm. And that's how you were able to keep renting it. I don't know what I was telling mom. I was like, uh, you know, I, I probably was just sneak it in the pile. Like here, we'll just rent this. <laughs> probably. Um, it's a very, yeah. I, mean, I see why a kid would love it. Cause some of the actions like so over the top, like it doesn't even, like it makes no sense logically, but it's like so much fun and so stylish. Like, um, yeah, it's it's I, I still think it's really fun. I watched it again. It, I mean, it's very 1998, like the fashion. Someone makes a Spice Girls reference. Like oh, it, is, <laughs> it is, it calls them like <laughs> calls Mark Wahlberg and his group of hitmen like the Spice Boys. It's, uh, it's like I was like, oh, it is 1998 for sure. Um, <laughs> but that's comforting to me. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You just want to have a good time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just we can put on movies just to have a good time sometimes. Right. I don't need to always watch like come and see. No. <laughs> like, or, <laughs> like, no. Something heavy. You want to watch Marky Mark as the lovable hitman. Yeah. I, if you don't even like Mark Wahlberg, if, not you, but like people listening, it's like I, I he's it's so different. I feel like from how he is now, he has not developed that persona of like, I'm so cool. You know what I mean? It's, right, right. Well, yeah, like if you see things from from the like early in his career in the '90s, I mean, Fear, Fear is a oh, movie yeah. that I come back to over and over. I watch it a lot. That that was actually on my giant list. I love it. I love <laughs> it so much. Uh, things like Basketball Diaries. He was in Basketball Diaries. Oh, that's right. That's right. We get to talk about that. Yeah, he starting out in the '90s as he was moving into acting, he did some varied roles. And yeah, you're right. He hadn't we didn't have that very like recognizable Mark Wahlberg thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, I do want to say Lou Diamond Phillips, I think 
of all the people in the movie and everyone's pretty fun. But I think Lou Diamond Phillips having like the time of his life, he's like, he's great. He's so over the top. <laughs> like, it's kind of amazing. Like he is just having the best time I've seen an actor having so long. So, um, That's awesome. yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. So I always um, like to see Lou Diamond Phillips. Yeah. I don't, I mean, he was big in the nineties. I feel like I, and maybe even the 80s too, but I've seen him in like stuff from then. I'm like, he's good. I, mean, I don't know. I think he still works, but like, obviously he does. Not. He was doing, um, there's a TV show, like a network. Oh, okay. TV show, uh, Prodigal Son. I've heard the name, but I don't think about he it. He's doing that. Like, okay. yeah, he, he's still working. I feel like a lot of actors have moved into television because yeah. nowadays it, it looks so similar and, you know, the production <laughs> values and, yeah, it's just... right. It's yeah, it's the the line is not as like big from because I feel like I, I was thinking the other day about thinking about the nineties that it was a huge deal when they had like a movie star as a guest star. I feel like yes, friends hyped up having Brad Pitt for weeks, and you know it was like uh, if you had like a major movie star in your TV show, it was a gigantic deal because they don't come to TV. And now someone has pointed out on Twitter, it's like we're living in a world where like Julia Roberts is on a TV show on Stars and no one cares about it, you know, and it's like. <laughs> um, Oh yeah, it's like there's these major people we think as major A-list stars who are on TV shows, and you know, it's it's things have very much changed from the nineties. Yeah, it used to be there was this idea of someone who had primarily worked on TV getting their big break in the movies. Right, was a step up. Right, right. Had been a big movie star and then went back to TV. It was like yeah, it was thought of as a step down. (laughs) Yeah, those days are long gone. Oh yeah. Yes. Which is great because I I mean oh, yeah. I enjoy both mediums. So yeah. And people get to work more and they don't be looked down upon for if they go do a TV show or you yeah, know, for it's just like working. Right. Just yeah, more opportunities. That's good. So yeah, that was the big hit from 98. Um, it's a lot of fun. So um, what is your second movie? Okay. So <laughs> this is a fun one. And this is one that I did not see in the 90s. I, I'm actually not sure when I saw this for the first time, but it was years and years later. I was going, there's something all these lists have in common. Uh-huh. Celebrity crushes that oh, I've had my okay. entire life. This was not <laughs> intentional. I didn't mean to do this, but I did it. I'm not sorry. So I was, I went on a, on an Eric Stoltz odyssey Okay. <laughs> because I love Eric Stoltz. Mm-hmm. I just, I just do. And, and I <laughs> wanted to try and see as many Eric Stoltz movies as I could at one point. And some of his stuff is very easy to get. And some of it, not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, so this movie, the first time I saw it, I tracked it down did I rent it somewhere? Yeah, I think I rented it. Nowadays, you can rent this on Vudu. That's okay. the one place oh. <laughs> that it's available right uh-huh. now. Like it'll it'll be available on Amazon for a while, then they pull it. Currently, the one place is Vudu. It's Killing Zoe, from ah, 1994. Okay. I, you could go. Know, oh, I'm very familiar because of the Tarantino connection, the Roger yeah. Avery connection. Like, 
um, that I heard about this. I've never seen it. This is like, this is like how we talked about four rooms a while back. And uh-huh. I was like, how have I not seen this? Cause I was in my Tarantino phase. Anything he was like, even like slightly associated with, I right. was trying to find. And yeah, I remember there being a VHS tape of killing Zoe at the video store that I feel like I almost rented many, many times and never actually did. But I remember going, oh, that's Killing Zoe. It's like the guy who wrote Pulp Fiction did that. And one day I'll watch that and never did. <laughs> um, well, yeah. You can rent it on Voodoo, my friends. Okay, okay. And I encourage you to do so. This movie is, and I, I'm I'm sure I've said this a million times before. <laughs> I'm on, I'm well on, well on record. I loved the whole indie film thing of the 90s where you had legit indie films that were getting made and getting seen and then you had films that weren't really indie films but everyone wanted to like tap into that feeling and that energy right right (laughs) and so this movie has this very stripped down feel to it but it's and it's chaotic and it's tense <laughs> mm-hmm. and there's you know not that many there's not that many settings it's like there's a hotel room and it looks like just like a budget european hotel room because this is set in france okay um the dodgiest heist <laughs> <laughs> the most like yeah heist gone wrong movie you can't go wrong with that and it's, you know, it's 94. So Eric Stoltz is, it, it looks like if you took the Eric Stoltz character out of Pulp Fiction and just made him a bank robber. <laughs> okay. It's, it's basically that that's what he's doing. Cause he's got the, the look and the goatee and it's, it's that peak nineties Eric Stoltz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and you've got uh, Julie Delpy, who was in the Before trilogy, oh, yeah. Yeah. and and this this guy Jean Uge Anglade. <laughs> I cannot pronounce this man's name to save my I'm life because I don't speak so, French. I'm so bad at French; it's <laughs> it's like yeah. my worst language. <laughs> if you see the guy, you'll recognize him because he's like that one of those French actors that you see do doing things. I mean, maybe not as much as Vincent Cassell, but this guy's up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just there's this chaos and um so it's set in france so you do have some french dialogue but it's mostly in english it's it's just it's got that like really cool kind of renegade indie feeling about it that to me is so indicative of the 90s and it was the kind of thing that I was, I really got into. I loved just like renting films I'd never heard of at the video mm-hmm. store. And this one, although I didn't come to it till later, it's, it, it totally encompasses that thing that we used to do in terms of just finding these movies we'd never heard of and just taking a chance. And, you know, on some level there, I don't know, this, this one is taking a chance so much. Cause yeah, Roger Avery and it's, you know, these actors that you recognize, but it's a good time. Uh, yeah. I don't know how I never saw it. Like I was so close so many times. Um, it's funny. Cause I thought it came out 
I guess after Pulp Fiction, but it says 93 and 90B. I don't know if that's a wrong. You said 94, I think. So I don't know if it oh, like you, it might maybe be. got made and got held or something. Because I feel like the only reason I started talking about it or everything I saw about it was like, you know, from the guy that worked on Pulp Fiction. <laughs> so right, maybe, yeah. maybe they just started marketing like that. Um, Ooh, you're right. Yeah, 93. That's weird. Maybe they just kind of, <laughs> maybe it just really didn't get any traction until after Pulp Fiction. I don't know. That is entirely possible. <laughs> and I feel like that's, I think that's one of the things that hurts this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and there are other films, similar like crime films that get pegged with the, it's a Pulp Fiction knockoff or a Reservoir Dogs knockoff right, like right. that, <laughs> that gets, a lot of films get saddled with that critique or comparison right, right which you know i mean reservoir dogs and pulp fiction were so huge and were just such a like a, a watershed moment in film of the 90s and i so i get it like some films intentionally were trying to emulate right right <laughs> others maybe unintentionally but the inspiration's there whatever the case I say the more crime films, the merrier because <laughs> it's a genre and I enjoy. Yeah. And, and I, I really like this one. I will have to see it someday. I, this one I think falls in the category of like, this was talked about in the nineties because of what like, that wave of like indie movies and the Tarantino yeah. Pulp Fiction connection. But now I feel like it's definitely one that it's kind of fallen by the wayside because it kind of lost that, that wave it was probably writing. So now I haven't heard a in a very long time. Um, but I mean, I probably still like it. I it's I, I think I told this before that I was so fascinated with that um 90s indie filmmaker period. There because the Reservoir Dogs DVD um had all these special features about like Sundance, I guess it'd be 91, 91 or 92, about mm. how big that Sundance was because it's like Reservoir Dogs and El Mariachi. And yeah. a couple other, um, the four rooms people. I can't remember their names. <laughs> like the the woman that did gas food lodging. Um, there's a lot of like filmmakers who were kind of coming out at that same time, making these indie movies in the '90s, um, which probably led to some of the uh, the good stuff at the end of the '90s too. '97, '99 being like amazing years for movies. <laughs> so, right. Um, I, yeah, I was like fascinated. I was like, when I was like, getting to movies, it was like Reservoir Dogs was like my thing, and I watched those special features, and I was like. Oh, this is so cool. Like what a great time. <laughs> and uh um yeah, so I really this is probably up my alley, honestly. If I just try to separate it from being, you know, not being Pulp Fiction, <laughs> that just yeah, enjoy forget it for that. Because it's yeah. a completely different, like yes, it's a crime film, but no, it's a completely different flavor. And yeah, I'm 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 looking at this. So it looks like the first market screening of Killing Zoe was in late 1993 and then it premiered at Sundance in 94. Oh, okay. So it's one of those where it straddles the line. And so mm-hmm. I think it's, I think technically a 1993 movie. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And that's how that went down. <laughs> but yeah, I would say go into it just to enjoy a crime film with that, with that nineties indie feeling to it. But 
I would say completely divorced your mind from Reservoir Dogs, from Pulp Fiction. It is not that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, there are, I mean, there are people shooting up, there's <laughs> guns, there's sex, there's all of that fun stuff. <laughs> all the all good the stuff from the night. All the things I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I recently, I was recently, I, I was talking to you about this before we went on air and I, and I posted something on Twitter ahead of the weekend. I was teenager sitting over the weekend, oh, 14 yeah. uh-huh. year old. <laughs> And I was kind of curious, like, so what, what, what would other people, what kind of films would other people like to introduce to a 14 year old in their life? Oh yeah. yeah. And and yeah, like it, it differs from person to person. Every 14 year old is different maturity level taste. Yeah. What do they like? Uh, It's like, what (laughs) exactly? Yeah. But Part of the reason for, for my curiosity and how other people answer that question is that like when I was 14, I was watching sex and violence and drugs and, you know, Oh yeah. (laughs) My, my compass is broken for what's appropriate. Yeah, no, I understand. That's what my my mom was bringing up the other day. She, she said, we were having dinner and she was like, you were watching that thing at 10 and I was like I was watching Robocop at six you the, it's like the the ship had sailed like uh I'd right. seen I'd seen the mountaintop of like movie violence like nothing else you know <laughs> I don't know what she was talking about yeah I was like I had already seen enough I'd seen plenty of stuff um so yeah I was seeing stuff too there was I, there was like discourse on Twitter today about like sex scenes in movies too people mm. get weirdly like anti- sex and movies i'm just like that's weird to me it's like it feels very puritanical it's not even like i don't know it's very weird i don't want to go on tangent it but is. It's like, um yeah. yeah i grew up on all kinds of things i shouldn't have been seen but um it's interesting <laughs> it's, it's, it uh it helps you grow uh so <laughs> um uh okay killing zoe is a movie i finally need to see after like 20 years <laughs> like, you do it would have been my favorite I movie can't, i can't and, wait to hear what you think about it okay I hope I'm I don't open it let down when I, when I talked hey. about four rooms, <laughs> you did not let me okay. down. Not at all. I forgot. Did we talk about this? Is your favorite segment, the Rodriguez segment? It is. Yes. It's, I feel like it's by far the best thing in it. Like it's it, the best one. It's like, he got the assignment, but you know, it's like that old thing where it's like, okay, he got it. Thank God. It's a, it's like a, a story beginning end. It's funny. Uh, Antonio Medeiros is great. Um, but yeah, the first two, whoever those directors were, I'm like, Ooh. but, <laughs> but I, I liked half of it. So yeah, um, I thought I was like, was I being biased? Cause I like the Tarantino Riga segments the best, but I'm like, no, I just think they were the best segments, but maybe it's just me. But anyway, right. well, I mean, you just, I mean, you respond to their, to people that their are style yeah. And, yeah. and the themes that they like to explore. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. That first segment, is it the first Ooh. segment, the sex witches? It, that's a doozy. Yeah, they come it's in hot. It's not for everybody. Not everybody, not everybody's yeah. on board for the, <laughs> the sex magic party in the hotel. <laughs> I enjoy just... that segment, but yeah, I still think the Rodriguez segment's better. Yeah. But, I feel know. like it might have been the wrong segment to start with because I feel like it comes in and just throws you for such a loop where you're like, Wait, yeah. what's happening? <laughs> I almost thought you could have got your bearings better with one of the other segments first. That that sex witches thing, I was just like, I don't even know what's going on. I just, <laughs> just 
Where like, am I? What's yeah, happening? Someone threw me into a cold pool. Like, Let me ease in. Like, okay, hang on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh boy. Um, okay. My next movie is falls in the category of, I think a movie that was hated, like absolutely reviled. <laughs> and I kind of like it because it's goofy nonsense that same, they somehow got $20 million, I believe to make, um, no, it was only 20. It was like 10 million, but still, have you ever seen cabin boy? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I kind of, I, I don't know if I could say I love cabin boy, but I really like cabin boy because <laughs> it's categorically insane. Like it's, I watched this and I'm like, this was made by a major studio <laughs> and it's oh, one yeah. of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Um, the backstory where he's fascinating, I feel like, because it, it's Chris Elliott, who people know from like SNL and other things, but him and his writing partner, Adam Resnick, also directed the movie. Um, they were supposed to have Tim Burton for Cabin Boy. Like Tim Burton was supposed to direct Cabin Boy. And this is like him in 93, 94, when Tim Burton is like, <laughs> could not have more pull after the Batman movies. Like could probably right. do whatever he wants. So he gets Cabin Boy greenlit. <laughs> and like, and then it's like, I'm going to go, I think he does Ed Wood. And it, like leaves under their own device. He still produces Cabin Boy, but he doesn't direct it. So it really only kind of got going because the studio thought, oh, Tim Burton's gonna direct this. And when he kind of said, I'm not gonna do that, I feel like they kind of were like stuck and were like, we'll make your little weird movie and kind of gave up on it. Um, how do I describe Cabin Boy? Okay, so Chris Elliott plays a very annoying, very unlikable character <laughs> who is a uh, a fancy lad from, <laughs> from a like, uh, very fancy like finishing school he's an adult man I feel like he's supposed to be a kid I don't know what's going on um, he graduates the school everyone hates him he leaves he's supposed to get on this boat to go meet his dad or his, his dad's like yacht his dad's like a millionaire he gets on the wrong boat because he stops and talks to David Letterman of all people <laughs> I think David Letterman this is his only movie cameo role anything it's like uh, he shows up as a guy selling like um, sock puppet monkey things and <laughs> It's like, and Chris Elliott goes to the wrong boat, a boat called the Filthy Whore. And, and it's a great gets, name. It's a great name for a boat. Um, gets on this boat with these like really rough guys like Brian Doyle Murray and James Gammon and Brian James and like real rough customers. And he's like this like guy with a little powdered wig and this little prissy fancy boy. And it's like, um, they, he kind of gets on board by accident and then like, uh, they discover him and they're already out to see their fishermen and they're like, well, we're just going to basically torture you because we hate you. And they just do all these things to fuck with him. Um, the movie looks ins- like crazy. It's like got very false background. Like they're not trying to pretend. It's they're bonkers. Actually, it's, it's like, they're not actually at sea. It's very clear. They're not trying to fake you out. Like it's a, it's a very like old school movie thing. I feel like with a fake background and they're just in water. And at one point they find Melora Waters is like just a swimmer. <laughs> they pull her out of the water. And she was like, I was trying to swim across from Maryland back to Maryland and whatever. Um, there's, I, I haven't got to the crazy stuff yet. Then there's <laughs> <laughs> Russ Tamblin shows up as a half man, half shark named Chucky, <laughs> who, who helps Chris Elliott. Um, and Chris Elliott gets to this island where he loses his virginity to a blue six-armed woman who's husband is dressed like a insurance salesman and is a giant and that's the 
as you do <laughs> as you do um it's insane i was watching it again and i could not believe that it even exists um uh it's it's my kind of nonsense that's all i can say it is really it is not like the greatest movie you ever see i won't i won't say that but um it is just so weird and so bonkers <laughs> and like um yeah i just love real nonsense and this is about as as much nonsense as you could ever find in a movie <laughs> so yeah that's cabin boy i feel bad because it did terribly the critics hated it um it almost ruined chris elliott and adam resnick's careers i'm pretty sure uh because it was so hated and uh yeah I, I don't i think i know it has a little cult following now but it's still you know if people if people like this one i would totally get someone saying i hated cabin boy and i would get it because it just <laughs> it's like you know it's it's so it's so weird so um any thoughts on cabin boy <laughs> you know i it's been a very very long time so i my memory of it is more impressions mm -hmm. than details but we in my house we were big fans of chris elliott's show get a life I've heard about this show. I've never seen it, but yeah. Oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> we loved it. Was it like a, was it like it, a parody it, of sitcoms? It. Yes. Okay. Okay. That does sound pretty funny. <laughs> it was great. And Chris Elliott was like, was like living with his parents. And it was just, <laughs> he has that particular style of humor mm -hmm. that I, I think really was very popular in the nineties. Cause you had Chris Elliott you had Tom Green. <laughs> like there was this thing that was happening <laughs> that like awkward humor. Right. But not like what would happen down the line with things like The Office, but it was different. It was, and it was like your main character is someone who is just as hateable as they are lovable. So kind of like an obnoxious person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love you know? Tom Green too. So this all checks out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, this was a thing. Yeah. It yeah. was very, like it was zeitgeist. <laughs> and so I remember, I remember my impressions of seeing Cabin Boy. I think we probably rented it or saw it on TV because we loved get, we had loved get a life and we thought Chris Elliott was hilarious. And I remember, I just remember thinking this movie is wild. Like this is, <laughs> I mean, yeah, this that's is crazy. It's a fair assessment. Yeah, you would just think this is what he's like. They're like fighting, like, um, oh, what are the name of those like old Christmas specials that play every year that have like kind of a stop motion animation? What, um, like claymation Christmas, kind of claymation type creatures that pop up. They fight in the movie. <laughs> like it's this weird like comedy fantasy hybrid thing that like like I've truly never seen a movie quite like cabin boy um yeah. i've seen a lot of movies um uh, yeah it's so weird uh i don't even know what else to say about it it's like this is the one i recommend with like the most <laughs> apprehension where i'm like go into cabin boy like cautiously and don't be mad at me if you hate it because a lot of people hate cabin boy <laughs> so um but i think it's like it's unique and weird and special enough that like I just could never hate something this like this right. weird. Give you know? it a try. It, you know. So I, <laughs> I recently watched Swiss Army Man for the first time. I still need to see that because I really liked Everything Everywhere All Once, but I know it's kind of different. I feel like. And 
And at the end of the film, I was, I was kind of like, I don't know if I liked that or not, okay. <laughs> but I was really entertained and I'm really impressed with how original this idea is. <laughs> Where you, sometimes you get something that feels so unique or like it's doing its own thing and it's really going for mm -hmm. it in a way that you haven't seen before. And so even if it's not a movie that I would rewatch a bunch of times <laughs> or that I would put on some list of movies I love, I will say like just for originality's sake, just for someone taking a chance mm -hmm. <laughs> and really going for it, that always impresses me. Me too. That's I really admire big swings. Like even if they yeah. miss, I'm like, at least you went for it. <laughs> that, that someone was willing to go out on that limb mm -hmm. <laughs> with a concept and and see it all the way through. It's 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 pretty impressive. Yeah, I I love that kind of stuff. So yeah, cabin boy with. With a, <laughs> with a warning, with a disclaimer, with a caveat, with a caveat, don't be mad at me if you don't, if you hate Kevin. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm trying to look and see like, where is it streaming right now? Like, I know it's rentable. It? I don't know if you have to pay for it. There is a Kino Blu-ray too. Um, so it's available. I don't know if it's streaming for free anywhere. I think it's, but you could pay to rent. It's not like it's unavailable. So. Right. Cause that's sometimes the calculation, right? Like how much am I going to have to pay to rent right, this? Right, right. So, yeah, maybe wait I mean, till it's three ninety nine. That's not bad. Yeah, I I never think much of that. I'm like, ah, three ninety nine. It's fine. So, yeah, okay. Well, that was Cabin Boy. I don't have anything else on that one. I don't know what else to say. It's you gotta gotta see it for yourself. I feel like it's it's hard to explain. <laughs> so, uh. I think that's fair. I mean, if you give people like you tell them to be prepared, right, <laughs> for something weird <laughs> you know people can can go into it knowing maybe maybe not fully prepared for what they're about to experience right i was not i i had a warning it was still like what is this movie it's <laughs> 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 pretty well yeah i i just it's, again it's fun to do sometimes it is i mean what you said earlier about like I do kind of miss picking movies off like the shelf at a movie store and really not knowing much about them besides just, you know, what I'm seeing on the box. I'm like, okay, I'll try this. Like, um, yeah. which I, mean, I guess you can do now because you go through streaming sites and you just see something catch your eye, but it just doesn't it's feel different. the same. Yeah. It's like, plus it I can always go to my phone so and I always like go to my phone and go IMDb and I check, which I wouldn't have the option of in the video store. I'm like, I just have to go off what I'm seeing. So um, yeah, it's a little different. You have less information, but I kind of miss those real like, true discoveries you know you have it's it's you have these you have less information you also have limited your choices are limited by the material like what is on stock in this store right in this right video store what is available <laughs> right now and what's available at one shop 
could be different from what's available at the location across town or at the rival <laughs> video store. Yeah. What, what's available at the big chain video store was different than what you would find at the mom and pop mm -hmm. kind of locally run shop. Right, right. But wherever you landed, it was like you, you had the limitations of what was available. And somehow that, that I, and it's totally like a mental thing, but it just makes it easier in some ways to take a chance. Cause I, I feel like when I can just scroll endlessly. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I keep saying, oh, maybe that, no, I'll keep scrolling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe this one. Maybe I'll find something better. I'll keep scrolling. I'll go to another app and keep looking there. It's like yes. it's like the apps are like different shops you can quickly access. Like I'll go over to the store and see what they have. Yes. And I I have such an horrible... hour later. Yeah, and then I go to it to start a movie. <laughs> I better go watch random stuff on YouTube. Um, yes. Like yeah, that's the problem too. I, it goes on for so long that I'm like, well, I've wasted so much time. I can't start anything. Um, it's it's tough. I have horrible like, uh, what would you call it? like choice paralysis? Basically, I can't yes. make like get so lost in my own choices. And I don't, I can't make a decision of what to watch because I'm overwhelmed by the amount of options. Like I kind of wish like somebody would limit me. I could limit myself, but I mean, who, you know, <laughs> that's asking a lot. So it's like, I'm almost this is going why to... I do my themes friend. That's a, that's a good idea. See, this it, is it... why I, I set my little themes for myself and go, okay, here's right. the theme, find movies find a movie or two that fits this theme it's completely arbitrary i just made it up but something about having the like the narrowing the scope mm -hmm. makes it a little easier for me to finally decide something yeah i mean yeah you and i have you and i we're like right here my friend similar <laughs> traits yes i have thought of going on twitter and picking like four things out and letting people vote for me because i just i can't make a choice or now i've looked at my watch list I'm like, i should just go through this thing straight to alphabetical i should start at a and go to z because <laughs> i have to i can't make a choice i'll just go i'm watching this tonight because it's a it's like you know but i don't know is it movie people problems i guess <laughs> i know like i don't know if if like your other average show people go through this but i don't know do. i feel like it's, everyone it's else a real thing everyone else i know just has like some show they're watching and that makes it easy because you're like i'm watching the next episode of the show i'm on you know but right i just want to watch movies so i'm just like i can't pick um uh so me and my girlfriend do that thing all the time where we try to go pick a movie and we're like what do we want to watch and we just sit there and we're like so it must not to be movie people because it's like she's like what do you want to watch and i'm like i don't know what do you want to like we're just like you decide i can't decide it's, it's like than, it's like where do you want to eat yeah well it's even yeah we're bad at that too it's even worse than that i think for us like the the food thing is a little easier but like the movie thing is just like i don't know like uh so it's i don't know i should be able to make these choices it's too tough i, I don't make someone make choices for me. it's too tough <laughs> being alive is hard uh so <laughs> Oh boy. We've been talking. So we're talking about like existential crisis, crying, crying. This is supposed to be an underrated nineties. I mean, oh. there were a lot of tears in the nineties. This was the nineties. Existential dread. There was a lot of angst and existential yeah. dread. T trust me. I yeah. remember. I All right, I'm going to start playing some Nirvana. And <laughs> yeah. 
speaking speaking oh. of existential dread uh-huh <laughs> my next film okay <laughs> so <laughs> so this is a movie that i i think it's where to even begin with this <laughs> i i think it's a movie that people of an age saw or are familiar with but i would not be surprised if anyone younger has never heard of this thing okay but i don't know like so this was one i wasn't sure if this really would qualify but i think it does it's night watch from 1997 now wait that title yeah <laughs> makes this tricky because it's not the only night watch i would say there's a few night watches right there's a few so this is Nightwatch from 1997, directed by Oli Bornadal. I'm butchering that man's name. <laughs> uh, starring Ewan McGregor, Patricia Arquette, Josh Brolin, Nick Nolte. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so <laughs> this movie is kind of like a horror thriller. It's actually a remake. So this is interesting. So the writer director of this film did the original 1994 Danish film. Oh, okay. Not begotten. I can't, I can't, again, I don't, <laughs> I, don't I, I, what can I tell you? Right. <laughs> uh, so he did the original Danish film and then it, it was a big hit and it starred Nikolai Koster Waldau, the guy from Game of Thrones, Jamie oh, Lannister. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so he goes on to write and direct the remake of his own movie for the American market. That's always interesting. Nightwatch. I feel like when a director redoes their own movie, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I mean, this movie, you know how like the mid to late 90s were, <laughs> especially after seven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you get films like Night Watch, like Eight Millimeter, like people trying to tap into like those taboos and make everything very dark. Right. And th this film <laughs> does that. Mm -hmm. It's so. So the premise of this is young Ewan McGregor. And it's really interesting because I was introduced to Ewan McGregor through train spotting and fell in love. Because again, remember, this is Car the loves of Carmelita's life. My celebrity <laughs> Look we're walking through all your celebrity we're crushes. All, it's a good theme. All my celebrity crushes today. <laughs> um, I didn't set out to do it, but that's, that's <laughs> where we ended up. And so after seeing train spotting, I needed to see every Owen McGregor movie that was available, which this was still early in his career. So there weren't that many at that time. Right, right. So I ran out and, and rented uh, Shallow Grave. Okay. I ran out and got The Pillow Book. He's I've seen The Pillow Book. that one. I, I saw, the, sorry, I didn't mean, <laughs> <laughs> I saw The Pillow Book. Talk about a movie that I had no context for. I turned on like IFC late one night when I was oh. like, we had just gotten like 
uh, digital cable and had all these channels we had before. And I was getting to movies and I turned on IFC. I, the pillow book is like burned in my brain because. Oh, yeah. So what happened when it came 98 probably came out, 96, 90, somewhere in that late 90s. So I probably saw it a couple years after that. And I <laughs> came in, I know what was going on. And I saw like Ewan McGregor and like an old Japanese man like hooking up or something. And I was like, what's happening? <laughs> I was like, what's going on with Obi-Wan Kenobi and this old Asian man? I was like very confused. If I remember this. I'm going to tell you something. Okay. (laughs) I I remember how excited I was when Ewan McGregor got cast as Obi-Wan. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember we, I lost my mind. But I did have this pang of, I was a little worried mm-hmm. what would happen to his career oh, after uh-huh. doing something so high profile and mainstream like Star Wars. And my worst fears came true. Oh. It's never been the same for me. <laughs> okay. I really loved the films he was doing in the 90s, like, because he would do things like Shallow Grave, awesome film highly recommend it he did things like the pillow book this like artsy bizarre Uh, foreign film yeah (laughs) and and he did night watch so in night watch McGregor plays a law student that takes a night job working at the morgue just so happens that around this same time there is also a necrophiliac serial killer Wow. All right. <laughs> yes. Necrophilia <laughs> is, is a part of this movie because again, in the late nineties, it was like, let's have murder by penis knife and necrophilia <laughs> and snuff films. Like, yeah, we went there in the nineties and I'm just going to tell you, I was loving every second of this. <laughs> exploration i didn't know where that was going when you started that (laughs) yeah after seven i feel like everyone's get like let's get really dark on our crime films let's do it let's just all just have all of that stuff just throw it in the script put it in there (laughs) fascinating Um. (laughs) you know what's funny i was looking at night watch and i actually must have heard of this because it's in my list already so someone put this on my radar and i'd forgotten about it because oh nice it's on the IMDb watch list. I'm like, yeah. well, I don't remember hearing about this. Like, um, okay, yeah. So is it, I get the impression it's probably pretty weird. Is it, is it more it's, it's weird? It's not or? as weird as, it's not as weird as you might think, okay. actually. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's got the horror elements, like a slasher almost. Mm-hmm. And and kind of the suspenseful thriller moments, the characters, I mean, this for me, what really does it is, is the characters and then playing off of each other. Nick Nolte (laughs) Mm -hmm. is such a creep in this movie and, and him being cast, I think now, especially now, you're just like, okay, this guy is a bad guy, right? He's got to be. <laughs> yeah. He's Nick Nolte. He has that you know? thing about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you just, you just love to see 
these people and Ewan McGregor will never be at this part of his career ever again. He's just so baby faced and, and oh, young yeah. and early in his career. And those days are long gone. He's moved on from there to do lots of great things, but it's just a moment in time. Kind of like how I feel about legend and Tom Cruise. Oh, well, yeah. He's like, like a baby in them. <laughs> right. Like it's, yeah. it's this, it's this perfectly crystallized moment in time that is just so far behind us now. <laughs> Patricia Arquette is great in this. Josh Brolin or James Brolin. I'm sorry. James Brolin is, is really good in this. Or is Josh Brolin? Oh, God. <laughs> I'll look it up while you die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the Brolins is in this. Well, one of the Brolins. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, his character is just really over the top. It's Josh Brolin. Really, the younger Josh Brolin. Brolin. Yeah. <laughs> the younger Brolin. Thank you. Uh, his character is just really over the top and and so like you want to punch his face like it's, <laughs> I don't know and this movie has that 90s you know kind of the the colors especially when they're in the morgue because the morgue is so such a clinical looking setting and then you have kind of those washed out color oh I was gonna say 90s. yeah kind of it's kind of unappealing in a way is it like the kind of yellowish greens and blues or the like green the, yeah yeah like but there's it. other there's other settings in the film that it's more colorful some of the mm. apartments um but it's it's just one of those films that once you see it you'll never forget it okay <laughs> because how many film how many films deal with a necrophiliac serial killer i don't think that many <laughs> and and it's got you know there's there's quite a few scenes of poor Ewan McGregor like walking around on his on his night shift all mm -hmm. alone in this morgue and it's him basically just scaring himself <laughs> walking through these dark halls and just being freaked out because there's dead there's I mean dead that bodies. would it sounds like a terrifying job like that sounds like my nightmare <laughs> to have to and then yeah yeah no totally and and so it kind of it kind of this film does that interesting thing of initially he's really scared of being around the dead bodies, but the thing he really needs to fear is the living because they're the real threat. Uh -huh. There's a living, breathing serial killer <laughs> who, who likes to kill people and then. Inappropriate <laughs> yeah. Things. Inappropriate things with their dead bodies. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> See, that's why I thought it just sounded kind of insane. I was looking at some screenshots too. I was like, this just looks like it'd be weird and crazy. And um, <laughs> I'm very intrigued. This sounds wild. Uh, also, you've unlocked the memory of the pillow book for me, which I had like tucked away. <laughs> I was like, oh. like Obi-Wan, what's happened? I came in like, I was like, what is this movie? And I came in on him with an Asian man, an old, an old man. And I was like, what's going on? And then it was like, they're writing calligraphy on each other in the oh, pillow yeah. book and yeah um i see it's directed by peter greenway who did a movie i almost picked for this list uh the god the cook the thief his wife her lover that whole have you seen that uh -huh. movie i think i said that right I in that order. but no I it's an amazing about. movie it's a really amazing movie um it looks incredible but i was like wow yeah so yeah you mcgregor was doing some interesting stuff in the 90s kind of... gold mine which is one of my favorite films he Something does that either yeah. Not too long after this. I loved, loved, loved 
the stuff he was doing in the 90s. Um, and I miss it. I miss, I miss <laughs> See, it. I thought I thought he was still pretty good about balancing like big budget stuff and indie stuff. Is that not, do you not agree? I, I, I don't know. I don't like, know. I thought he was one of those guys that kind of felt like he still cared about doing smaller movies while doing bigger movies, like kind of going back and forth. Maybe. Um, you know what I think happened for me? Mm-hmm. I don't know how this turned into the McGregor podcast. <laughs> Why not? But let's talk I mean, about I, the pillow I, book. I feel, uh, I feel like <laughs> when it comes to 90s McGregor, I'm, I'm kind of a, the next, and then it falls off for me. And you know what, what did it? Mm-hmm. I think what, what kind of soured it for me was I did not like Moulin Rouge and I did not like Big Fish. Yes, oh. I said it. I don't like Big Fish. I've never seen Big Fish. Uh, I, I Everybody loves it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. I I will say this. I'll go with you. I, I really, really, really don't like Moulin Rouge. And I have a real... Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> At no, first, because... your tone sounded disappointed for a second. I was like, wait, no. you said you like it, right? No. Um, my... I could cry for happiness because I feel like everybody <sighs> loves Moulin Rouge. Yep. I don't get it. And I start to feel crazy. <laughs> like, am I crazy? Yes. No, no, you're not. You're listen, you're safe here. I, I'm with you. I, another step, I'll go a step farther. I can't stand Boz Lerman movies. Like nothing about him as a person. I don't think about his person. I can't <laughs> right. like, he might, he, I just, everything about his style, like completely pushes me away. I it's, and I should probably like it. Cause he's like, so over stylized. I mean, if, if you do, you do. And if you don't, you just don't. I just do not gel with it. Like anything. I, I was very surprised because I love Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. that he did in the nineties. Right. Right. I love that film. And so based on how I felt about that movie and his style in that, and then the, the casting of Ewan McGregor, who I was mildly obsessed with in the nineties, <laughs> I thought for sure. Like this is a home run. It's a no. <laughs> It's really not. And I rewatched it. Uh, I think it was last year. And no, I it didn't go any better. I don't like it. This. Yeah. I don't think I've said on the podcast. I, he, I don't, I, I Bos Lerman is just so not my, like, I don't want to say he's my least favorite director. Cause I'm sure there's way less talented directors, sure. but like the style is just so grating <laughs> Like, you know, yeah, I mean, even if I kind of can appreciate his Romeo and Juliet for being kind of weird and different, like, it still kind of annoys me. It's like so in your face with everything. Like, it's just like it, like it, it's just so weird. I, I can't really get on board with the whole, like, it's kind of modern times, but almost like an alternate dimension. I don't know what's going, you know, the whole thing is weird to me. The guns and I'm like, I don't know. Like, There's a lot of been, anachronisms. Yeah, a lot of stuff like that just bothers me. And then, yeah, Moulin Rouge is like, I remember my mom and sister went to go see it when I went to go see something else and they walked out and I went to go meet them. And I was like, you guys, where'd you go? Where'd you guys go? And they were like, we left that movie after like 30, 45 minutes. We hated it. And uh, I can't remember if it's all, but yeah. And then I had to see it because there was some girl like high school who was like, I love Moulin Rouge. And I was like, oh, watch Moulin Rouge. And I wanted to leave the house. <laughs> I was like, I got to get out of here. But I sat through it and uh, I can't, I can't stand it. So, you yeah, know, I don't know. I, you McGregor yeah. seems like a cool guy that was a person. I, I like, you know, he just seems like he's yeah. very down to earth. No, and, and I mean, he continues to do interesting things. I think, right. I think I, I'm just saying, I, I think he was the more interesting. Torch I was before, holding, yeah. the torch I was, I was carrying. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's understandable. <laughs> it, it burned. A, it didn't burn quite so bright <laughs> after that. Um, you think about this with my celebrity crushes. I know there was like time something happened where I'm like, it's not the same anymore. But I can't think of anything. Same topic. anymore. But... You know, it happens. But all this to say, the moral of the story is different strokes for different folks. Right. You know. <laughs> That's it. So, and watch Night Watch. That was the point. And watch Night Watch because so. it's, yeah. I mean, it's a crazy premise. You get to see Josh Brolin and Nick Nolte really going for it. Why not? Why not? <laughs> oh, well, that was a fun detour about the, the other stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, now that Nightwalk's already in my list, you mentioned it now, I think it has to go right to the top because it's like the double recommendation. So, um, okay, I guess I'm next. I feel like, yeah, we're right yeah. along. So my third, um, this is a movie that I also like watched on TV all the time as a kid, loved it, hadn't seen it in years. I uh, feel like I hear nobody talk about it, but I don't know why because I feel like it's one of those movies where like, you should at least enjoy this. It's a fun movie. Have you ever seen a movie called Toy Soldiers from 1991? This sounds familiar. Jog okay. my memory. Okay. So uh, there's a boarding school. Again, when they're boarding school, I don't know what's going on with me. So it's like a, there's a, a boarding school and it's most a boarding school for like, like teenage boys. And a lot of the boys are like rejects from other boarding schools. So like, they're like the, okay. the worst of the, the, the preppy kids, I guess. So um, they're they troublemakers. Out other places and this is where yeah. they land. The school's called like Regis and they, they spray paint rejects on the school. Like it's like the reject school. Um, so basically it's like this group of like troublemaking boys led by the teenage Sean Astin, baby face Sean Astin and his group of friends, Will Wheaton's in there. Um, family guy, I just think of Will, uh, Will Wheaton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, who else? There's not his friends. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think the actors have played his group of friends, but so it's a group of boys. They're kind of like troublemakers. Sean Aston's like the leader of the troublemakers. Um, uh, Louis Gossett Jr., uh, who I realize is one of those actors that I'm happy to see in anything because he's always like, you know, good to great because I feel like he's just always very uh -huh. like reliable. He's the uh, dean of the school or, and um, him and Sean Aston have this like uh, relationship where he's hard on Sean Astin and they it's a kind of mutual spec but you know he gets on his case and all this stuff so it starts off like after actually terms in really hot I forgot because before you get to the school there Andrew Devoff plays a Colombian terrorist uh whose father gets captured by the U.S. government so oh. Andrew yeah Andrew Devoff who for years I thought was Hispanic from some country because of poor soldiers I think I realized no. not at all not at all <laughs> Listen, I'm not the one to judge, but he had me fooled. So I don't know. <laughs> like, um, and uh, they, he, he wants to get his dad back. The U.S. government has taken his father, put him in jail. So he wants, I believe there's one kid at the school who's like the son of a prosecutor, someone who's connected to this case, basically. So he wants, he goes to try to take the school, but that kid's already been taken out by like the government. They've already gotten the kid out of there to, for safety. So Andrew Devoff and all his big group of terrorists show up to the school to take it over and hold the, the kid hostage. And he's already gone. So they're like, well, shit, we're already here. <laughs> and like, they find out some other kids, all these kids have connections, they have rich dads or rich parents. Um, they hold the school hostage. So Sean Aston and his friends, being the troublemakers they are, uh, <laughs> are like, we're not going to take this shit. So they start trying to devise plans to kind of like 
you know, help. It, it really, I described on Letterboxd, they did a quick review that was like, basically it's like diehard in a boarding school and Sean Astin is like baby face <laughs> John McClane and Andrew Devoff is, uh, you know, um, oh dear God, I'm blanking on him from Die Hard. <laughs> oh my God. What, the bad guy in Die Hard. <laughs> hmm? Is that it? <laughs> I'm blanking what? too now. Oh I... my God. This is what happens when you do a podcast. Uh, <laughs> people are screaming <laughs> at me, right? Alan Rickman. Oh my God. Hans Gruber. I was, Jesus I was, Christ. I was trying to think of the character. Wow. Name. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, I think you did have it then, but I, uh, oh my God. Sorry, everybody. Jesus. Uh, that's like one of the worst mental laps ever. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, Andrew, you also like Alan Rickman of the, this whole thing. And um, Louis Gossett Jr. actually happens to be outside when the school gets taken over. So he's out there with like the police, the military gets sent in. Um, Sean Aston and his friends are like feed them information about how many guys are inside. It, is, it really is like diehard. It's like, there's this many guys. I got these weapons. I got this. <laughs> um, uh, it's really fun. It's, I was, I forgot it was rated R because it feels like almost like a kid's movie, but it's not because it's like teenage boys, but um, sure. it's not like and a with hard... the cast, like when I think, yeah, Sean Astin, Will Wheaton, like I, I'm thinking PG. <laughs> yeah, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, like there's some violence uh, for sure. Um, a little bit of language. It's not anything too crazy. It's not like a hard R, I don't think. But um, I was like, oh, yeah, this was rated R. But um, I, it's a lot of fun. They do. I mean, it just is very, very entertaining. Um, it probably takes a little, almost a little too long to kind of get to the whole terrorist taking over the school thing it's almost two hours long but um it's like a minor nitpick um but yeah i don't hear when talk about toy soldiers and i feel like people would love this movie if they saw it so i think it might just be like under scene now i don't know like um yeah, i've never seen this it's it's a ton of fun it's really fun <laughs> like um yeah it's just it's i don't know what else to say it's it's very entertaining um they i don't know but the, the, the i thought they had a lot of money but i think the bug was only like let me see like $10 million, which is good, but I felt like it looked like it cost way more. It barely made its money back. So yeah, I don't think it was a huge hit. I remember just watching on TV uh, a lot as a kid because I was like, oh, this is so cool. You know, they're like teenagers fighting back against terrorists. Um, sure. And they come up with all these plots to, you know, fuck with the terrorists basically and <laughs> all this stuff. Um, Sean Aston's really good. It's like, he's really good as this like, uh, leader he's not like unbelievably tough or anything it's just like he's just a crafty troublemaking kid um Andrew Devoff I think is really good even though he's not Colombian but he it's like he's very good as a bad guy because he's that kind of <laughs> like Alan Rickman where it's like this guy is scary and would kill you but he's also kind of weirdly um how the word would be like he, he's sensible I think you know like he's sensible in a way about what he does so um yeah, it's just a lot of them like holding the school, the kids trying to get out. Um, I wish I could describe it better, but clearly my brain is fried because I can remember Alan Rickman's name. So <laughs> I did my best. But yeah, it's it's just a fun, I guess, action movie, uh, I would call it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Toy Soldiers. I feel like never would talk about it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I it, it kind of sounded familiar, the title, when you first said it. But as you're describing it, like, no, I've definitely never seen that. Even in my own head, I mix it up with another 90s movie, Small Soldiers. But this is Toy mm. Soldiers. So yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I don't I, it's available places. I don't know if it has like a legit Blu-ray. I feel like I saw it had like a 
made on demand disc or something weird but um oh interesting yeah i don't know i don't know if it has like a good blu-ray release but it's it's available to watch i watched it on prime i paid for it it looked great so um yeah just a fun fun movie so there you have it there you have it <laughs> uh what yeah, it is it sounds like it sounds like coming out in 91 it's like you have there was this thing towards the late 80s and into the early 90s where you had things like stand by me mm -hmm. more of a drama but like groups of boys and the sandlot groups right. of boys like you had like that was like a thing and they, I, I, definitely the Die Hard thing, because this is like yeah. three years after the first Die Hard, I think one year after the second one. So I'm sure they were like, and there's so many of those too. Like there's Die Hard yes. in a blank, <laughs> like Die Hard in a bus, Die Hard in a school, Die Hard. It's like, um, so it's, I mean, very clearly influenced by that, but I think it works. It's like, oh, this is very fun. Um, so yeah, I don't know what to say about it, but I, I really enjoy it. So <laughs> It was so much fun to revisit too because I hadn't seen it in so long. I know it's going to hold up. It was one of those things I was like testing yeah. for the show. And I was like, oh, this is as good as I remember it. This is still great. So this was definitely, I mean, that was part of the thing about brainstorming films to discuss. Mm -hmm. Was like, no, you got to rewatch because <laughs> I yeah. might remember something fondly. But like you not. gotta be sure yeah <laughs> exactly you, you really do yeah that's why i fully had to rewatch everything i was recommending because i'm like what if i just call my memory and then i watch it again i'm like oh i don't like this anymore <laughs> you know it's like ooh, i messed up so yeah yeah that was important but I, everything i watched held up or was better than the last time i even or felt like it was better than i remembered so it I worked out that happens it's, it's the best so <laughs> all right what is um what's your fourth choice here so this is a fun one. And it's, uh -huh. I did not see this when it came out in 1998. Um, I saw it a few years later. I think it might've been 2004 or something. Cause a friend and I were talking about some of the actors in this film. They're like, you've seen clay pigeons, right? And I was like, no. Tell me <laughs> and so now I share this with you, dear film fields listeners. If you haven't seen Clay Pigeons from 1998, highly recommend it. It's a good time. Have you seen this? I have never seen it. I, I okay. but I do. I've heard of it and I recognize it. I feel like it was recommended somewhere kind of recently. There's um, a Tony Scott connection here. Oh, okay. The, the Ridley Scott, Tony Scott, their production company produced this. Oh, okay. Uh, so Clay Pigeons is directed by David Dobkin, um, who would go on to do Wedding Crashers. Oh, okay. Fred Claus. Uh-huh. Uh, written by Matt Healy, who has no other writing credits. That's, the that's fascinating. movie that he wrote. Wow. He got uh, one, stars, he got out. <laughs> yeah. It stars Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, okay. Vince Vaughn. Mm -hmm. Janine Garofalo. So it's like a comedy crime thriller. There's murder, there's <laughs> sex, but there's laughs. And, and this, this film is set, I don't know that they ever explicitly say it, but they mention neighboring states like Wyoming. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's somewhere in 
the Western United States, but kind of closer to those prairie states. Okay. So, so, so the setting is a little, is a little country (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's this little town and you get all these shots of, you know, the, the landscape, uh, but it's, you know, small town intrigue. Uh, there's interpersonal drama and murder. And then there's a serial killer who also happens to be stalking the area. Uh, but it's, <laughs> so this fun, this movie is kind of silly. It's funny. And, and then you just have just so many people getting murdered and, <laughs> and disposing of bodies. It's, <laughs> but it's really fun. And, and uh-huh. this film is, it does something that, again, will probably never happen again. I love Joaquin Phoenix as a lead. Mm -hmm. I love what's happened with his career over the years and all of the really interesting things he's done. But there was something really, really special about films he was doing around this time in the 90s, early in his career, where he got paired with other actors and, and in this film, it's it's like Joaquin Phoenix and Vince Vaughn playing off each other. They have so many scenes together in this mm-hmm. film. And and just like the energy of, of watching Joaquin Phoenix play off of another actor in in this very it's it's different than when he's like the main lead, um, which I love too, but it's fun. Just like again. I'm going to mention eight millimeter again, because <laughs> guess what, folks? I love that movie. And I would recommend that to anyone. That could probably be an underrated nineties movie. It's probably t- toes the line of being underrated or not. It, t- it toes the line. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you right now, if you ever want to talk about eight millimeter, but in that film, you know, you get Joaquin Phoenix paired with Nicholas Cage. Right. Right. So it's like he would do that early in his career where he would be like a supporting he'd he'd be supporting the lead, but they would have a lot of scenes together. Or in this film, I think he's technically the lead, but mm-hmm. him and Vince Vaughn are in it pretty much equal time. So okay. it's just it's just a really interesting time in his career. And Janine Garofalo, I love her and she's great in this. And the film just has this. I don't I don't even know how to describe it. It's <laughs> It's just very quirky and there's this, this dark sense of humor to it and and kind of this like rockabilly country western but almost punk rock vibe which is kind of where the rockabilly comes in. I don't it's it's just a really interesting film. It does and the sound, kind of film yeah. that doesn't get made anymore. Like movies like this don't get made anymore. Oh yeah, I'm surprised we haven't said that like five times already. <laughs> these kind of movies don't get made anymore um this sounds very interesting i feel like it sounds there was a thing i felt the 90s that like dark crime comedies like there was yeah. like let's do you know uh, a crime movie but make it kind of funny which is i mean that's kind of pulp fiction it's like it's yeah. a crime movie with murders but it's still got comedic beats so um that sounds interesting yeah and like joaquin phoenix is a guy i feel like i've rarely seen stuff from him when he was younger it's like he feels like one of those guys now that's such like a like actor's actor you know it's like it's like he's he's so into the 
his craft or whatever. It's like, so I, I feel like it'd be weird to see him kind of younger and probably not fully formed as an actor yet. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I'm, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I gotta see this because it has, it sounds interesting. The cast is good. Um, yeah. Okay. And I'm sorry, I'm looking at David Dobkin's directing career. It's bizarre. Have you looked at his filmography? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of the, it's like, uh, so this, uh, some movie uh, music videos, Shanghai Nights, the sequel to Shanghai Noon, <laughs> Wedding Crashers, Fred Claus, The Change Up, The Judge, which was like a drama with Robert Downey Jr. Um, more music videos, some Iron Fist episodes. <laughs> oh, he did that Eurovision movie with uh, Will Ferrell that was on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very weird career. <laughs> um, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I need to see this at some point because I definitely have heard of it and have not gotten around to it. So I highly recommend it again. Like it's it's not mind blowing. Right. But <laughs> movies can just be good. It'll be mind blowing, you know. Just like, be good. Just be good. And, <laughs> and I, I think again, to watch it now for the first time, to get to see that snapshot of where some of these very well known actors are were then way back when. That's always I mean, interesting. At this, at this yeah. point, Vince Vaughn had done swingers. He, he had done swingers. He done made already too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you love done, swingers, right? Done, oh, I love swingers. It's one of my, it's, I still have uh, never seen it. It's up there, my friend. Okay. It's so good. It's so good. Please watch it. Okay. I will one day. I feel like you I don't have, have to. to love it. Okay. <laughs> but I highly recommend you watch it. If okay. for nothing else than just as this time capsule. Of- yeah. Yeah. Because it it very, also helped the swing music thing, right? Like Yes, the swing revival. Okay. That was weird. That was a random t- that was almost weird as like the 90s getting people getting into like monk chanting. Like <laughs> Yes, Gregorian chant had yes. a moment. Yes, pure moods. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> Anyone yeah. gets that reference. Um, I mean, I was definitely more of a Gregorian chant than an Enya. <laughs> yeah. It's I think we, it's because I, I grew up Catholic, so I can get behind the Gregorian. I was just joking chant. something about Enya's only time and how it should play over every dramatic moment in like my life. Like <laughs> I spill some coffee. It's just like, yeah, that song comes on. Um, that, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, and yeah we music. had the swing revival, which yes. I loved. My mom and stepdad were very into the swing. They would go to a, like a dance club every week and go swing dancing. Like they were really into it. Um, I guess it went on into the late nineties. Like it went on for yeah, a few years. It um, did. Brian Seltzer orchestra. That was like, yeah. Big bad voodoo daddy. Yeah. Oh man. That was uh, their time. Cherry popping daddies. Yeah. Uh, who else? No, those were the three big I, ones. I, I mean, there, there was, there was more. Right. It was a um, thing. It's it one was of a great sh- time. You would and tell, I'll tell people. You, yeah. I don't know if they're still touring, but big bad voodoo daddy put on a great show. Oh, okay. <laughs> I saw them in the early 2000s and they just look like the happiest people playing music on that stage. <laughs> let me tell you. Also squirrel nut zippers, which I <laughs> adore. Great name. Yeah. No, check out all their albums. Trust I forgot about this. them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a you great, might, you might have only heard hell mm-hmm. in the afterlife. You know that song? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> no, their entire catalog. Excellent. All right. Okay. You didn't know this about me, <laughs> but I was, I was all in on the swing revival. This is like it. a thing you tell younger people and they'd be like, what, what happened? It's like, yeah, there was a swing dance revival <laughs> in the nineties. Who knows? Now uh, I could not, I could not successfully swing dance myself. 
never tried. Because <laughs> I, I have a problem with wanting to lead. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't work out so well. Yeah, because I like the guys have to like throw the girls around a lot in swing dancing, yeah. right? There's a lot of, well, yeah. I was, I was in a show choir at one point and we did mostly jazz. Oh, uh-huh. And so we did some dance numbers. And for those, like it, it was okay because I kind of just had it worked out my partner that I was going to lead. And, <laughs> but, but I did some of that twirly whirly over the back stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's some crazy stuff. So I could what never a time. Do that again. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, any, anything else on, on Clay Pigeon? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just so fun. <laughs> and, and it's, yeah, like it's just a good time. <laughs> it's just funny and, and kind of quirky. And Vince Vaughn is at the height of kind of that early Vince Vaughn when he was still like heartthrob, good looking, mm-hmm. but he had all of his little funny Vince Vaughn isms. <laughs> Yeah, like his yeah. laugh, that laugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Vince Vaughn 90s laugh. I don't know that he still <laughs> does the laugh, but in the 90s, like he he would do this one particular laugh. He might be too serious yeah, plenty now. Of that. <laughs> plenty of that. Here, so. Um, All right. Okay. I, again, I've heard of it. Now that you've recommended it, so you bump it up. Um, Okay. Are we on my fourth one already? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um. A movie I think I may have brought up briefly in like a what have you seen recently bit like a long time ago. I think maybe with an episode with Rob. I don't know. I have a vague memory of this, but um, another action movie. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> the movie I loved as a kid. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Uh, the Replacement Killers from 1998 with Chow Yun-Fat and Mira Sorvino. Have you seen this? I don't think so. I think you might like it. Again, it's a very much a time capsule, but it's... Um, Directed by Antoine Fuqua, one of his first movies, this pre-training day. Um, and John Woo produced it. Uh, nice. You would think John Woo tried to direct it because it's very John Woo. Like, it's really someone trying to approximate a John Woo movie with Chow Yun-Fat. Um, and all the trailers I watched, I felt like this was like they were really trying to introduce Chow Yun-Fat to the American audiences. Like That was like the mm. sell. It's like, here comes this international superstar, you've heard about him. Now you can see him in an American movie. Um, Cause John would come over here before. I felt like it was like, no, it's your and fat over here. And they make him look cool as shit. I mean, like if the goal, <laughs> if the goal was to make him look cool, they made him look cool. Like I just uh, talked with Lindsay on an episode of Persia that won't be out for a long time, I think. But uh, we brought up, we talked about collateral and talked about mm. how I love like Hitman and a club scenes, very specific. <laughs> like um john it's wick has one hitman in a yeah. club scenes are the best <laughs> it's like they're trying to get to a target and there's this all these the people thing. dancing it's because it's yeah. all the people and the yes. lights yes and the, the darkness music that, and the music know, and it's just like them trying to get to somebody and cut through a crowd and like that scene in collateral is so good with tom cruise and uh the replacement killer scene is not quite a, i remembered it differently so it starts off the movie but he just basically walks through a crowd and like puts a bullet on a table and shoots a guy. I mean, it looks really cool, but, uh, um, it's, there's, uh, it's not as crazy as I remember it being. And then, um, but it's, yeah. So basically it's very simple. It's a very short horror movie. Chow Yun-Fat like is a hitman. Um, he, 
wants to just get out of the whole thing. And his boss is like, I need to do one last job. I need you to kill this cop who killed my son during like a raid, basically. And Chai, in fact, goes to do it. And Michael Rooker is the cop. And he okay. sees Michael Rooker get home and like hug his son. And Chai and Fat's like, I can't kill this guy. You know, I, you know, and he just walks away. And then like, once he walks away, it's like, they, they're going to kill Chai and Fat because he didn't do the job. So he's trying to get out of the country still. He needs papers. He goes to Mira Sorvino. And then that's when the guys find him basically. And they're on the run for like the whole movie. It's basically the two of them like on the run from all these guys trying to kill Chai and Fat. And uh, um, I mean, it's honestly just like, a lot of action scenes <laughs> like just it's like him and mercy you know go a place it's you know then the, someone shows up and they should have a big shootout and it's like they go to arcade there's a big shootout at one point the actual replacement killers of the movie i guess show up and it's danny trejo and till schweiger who that's was, all you had to say <laughs> they look cool as shit they show up like to kill Chai and fat and uh yeah till schweiger was the guy who was oh hugo stiglitz and um uh, in Glorious Bastards. So it's them two show up, a bunch of guys trying to kill Chang. <laughs> and it's like, I remember saying this to Rob, I think, if it was on the episode about replacement killers, it's so weird. Because if you have Chang and Fat, and you would think you immediately want him to have like two guns, like he's in a John Woo movie. And I don't know how intentional this was, but I found this hilarious that like the whole movie, Chang and Fat is always, he always has one pistol, he never has two. And then the end of the movie, <laughs> It's like his big like hero comeback moment. I feel like it's like they think he's gone. The bad guys think he's gone. He like appears from behind the store and he's literally got two guns in his hand, two guns in the front of his pants, two guns in the back, two guns on the side. He's got double pistols all over the place. <laughs> and he just starts going wild with the two pistols. He goes, this is what I wanted the whole movie. This is what this is what we've been. It's like you've been waiting for this. You had it's, to wait for it. Yeah, you had to wait for it. It's <laughs> like you want to see Chang and Pat with two pistols. You had to wait the entire movie. Um I mean, it's a lot of him swirling around with his jacket and slow motion and being cool. Oh, <laughs> like, I love swirling jackets. Oh, I do too. It's great. Uh, so it's like, it's very entertaining. It's very straightforward. It's basically like they're on the run. They're all trying to help Michael Brooker from not being killed too. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I just, it's very Absolute. cool. It's very stylish. I think Anton Fuqua did a good job of like, you know, it's not as good as a John Woo movie. There's, it, but it is, it is someone trying to do a John Woo movie in America and kind of adding like some cool at the time '90s touches that were like, you know, let's make this guy look as cool as humanly possible. Mira Savino is actually really good too, um, even though she's kind of like just his sidekick. But I feel like she gets a lot to do. It's not like she's like a damsel in distress. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's very entertaining. I really like the replacement killers. So, and I feel like that one kind of talked about i don't know if it was underrated but it's you know it's definitely everyone always says it's like john woo light which it kind of is but it's still entertaining so <laughs> yeah that was my pick who doesn't want more of a good thing you know what That's, i'm saying exactly exactly <laughs> it was like at a time when john woo movies were kind of hard to get like when i was younger i was like well this is great because now i get like a version of a john woo movie <laughs> like i get something you know it's like it's better than nothing um and yeah, I just always thought it was super cool. It's still, it's still pretty cool, I think. So nice. yeah, it's well, a good- it's, it's officially on my watch list now. Okay, it's a good time. I think you would like it. You'd like it. So um, yeah, that was all I had on that one. And uh, we're on your last pick already. I know, can you believe it? <laughs> so so I had, a, a, I had the rule that I, I, I wanted to stick to movies that people would be able to track down. 
mm -hmm. without much difficulty. And I got so scared <laughs> that this last one was going to have to stay off the list because for a long time it wasn't streaming anywhere. Oh, okay. And there, there were, it was released on DVD, but it was like one of those situations where it was hard to find new copies. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got kind of scared. <laughs> and I, I want you to know that in preparation for this podcast, I ended up ordering this DVD and a DVD for another film, which, which did not make my list, which would make my honorable mentions. But I went out and, and went on eBay and purchased movies oh wow not be because i that we you and i have talked about this friend oh the when you can't find anywhere you have to try yes. to own it yes my fear my anxiety of of, oh. of extinct films <laughs> i just can't so but this film is streaming on fubu tv or fubo or i've seen okay that? this fubo thing seems like it's not even real because i've seen it pop up on the app <laughs> The Just Watch app. And I'm like, what the fuck is Fubu? Oh, no, Fubu's a clothing brand from the 90s. Uh, Fubo, it's like, I'm like, what is Fubo? And then I can never I don't find know. it anywhere. I don't know, I what, don't it know what it is. I don't think it exists. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> it's, it's, it's out there somewhere, according to Just Watch. And if you have Fubo, <laughs> you can watch Twin Falls, Idaho from 1999. Twin Falls, have Idaho. Have you ever heard of Twin Falls, Idaho? I don't. Not the place, the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm looking okay. at it right now. So I don't think I've ever heard of this. I probably heard the name, but I don't know if I, I've never seen the movie. and don't know much about it. So as I was doing my, my preparation, well, when you first broached this idea of talking <laughs> about underappreciated 90s gems, this was actually the first film that came to mind. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a and this is one of those movies where a friend and I would go to the video store. We would get a stack of like six movies on VHS because we were still we were still rocking VHS at the time. <laughs> None of us had there was DVD players. Uh, and we would just post up in her room and chain smoke cigarettes. <laughs> and order a pizza oh, and watch uh -huh. movies the whole weekend. And we would just sit in that room, chain smoking and eating pizza and watching movies. And this was one of those movies that we just grabbed a stack of six. And it was like half the movies we had never heard of before. We knew nothing about it. We were just going off the cover art. Mm -hmm. And in the case of this film, which is directed by Michael Polish, written by Mark and Michael Polish. They are brothers, twin brothers. Uh, this was their debut. They went on to do some other indie stuff that I haven't seen, mm -hmm. um, but this was their first film. And, and so, I mean, I'd never heard of these guys. I knew nothing about this movie. I knew nobody that was in it. Um, it stars the Polish brothers. So they, they directed it, they wrote it and they started in it. <laughs> and Michelle Hicks, who would go on to do I mean, she's still a working actor and she does a lot of television. Gorgeous woman. So, so they're like the, the three main stars of the film. The, so the premise of this movie is kind of wild. Okay. And I'm very curious what this premise is. 
and and it was as i was as i was rewatching my my picks and and writing up some notes that i realized there are some definite similarities in terms of themes between this film and untamed heart oh okay <laughs> but what's interesting is you know untamed heart comes at the very beginning of the decade 93 Twin Falls, Idaho is a, is a film of very similar themes in 1999, but like you can, it's almost like you can, you can see kind of where the decade started and where the decade ended in, in how, <laughs> how these themes are explored. Oh, okay. <laughs> two films. So the premise of Twin Falls, Idaho is, is a, sex worker shows up to a hotel room where she is to meet her client for the evening and it turns out it's these conjoined twins oh okay and francis <laughs> and the conjoined twins are played by twin brothers mark and michael polish who are not conjoined <laughs> twins They're just that was my next question <laughs> yeah no. just twin brothers okay they're just twin brothers, but because they are identical twins. It works. It's like, it works. Oh, okay. Because throughout the whole film and right from the jump, it's like they, they're conjoined in the film. So they're, and uh, they are a attached at the, at the torso and, mm -hmm. and share a leg in the film. <laughs> And they do this thing where they whisper to each other, like they just kind of slightly turn their head and whisper right. to each other. Uh -huh. and other people in the scene can't hear them. And they do this all throughout the movie where, you know, they kind of cock, they both cock their heads to the side at the same time. The mannerisms of people who have spent their entire lives at each other's side. Right. Uh, but the movie explores stuff about loneliness and, you know, wanting connection and misfits, which got explored a little bit in Untamed Heart, you know, but in that film, it's like the Christian Slater character is like, he grew up in an orphanage and he has a heart condition. Right. He's, <laughs> he's just kind of quiet. Mm -hmm. In this film, it's like conjoined twins that grew up in the circus sideshow and a sex worker. And like, it's, it's just... <laughs> It just, it just ramps it up, but it's, it's again, the same like muted color palette. It's very sweet. It's very sad. It's very, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> there's a romance to this story, okay. which is also interesting <laughs> that there is a, a romance blossoming between one of the twins and Michelle Hicks's character, oh. sex worker. Well, that seems awkward for the other, for the other twin. <laughs> is that where the, the it's drama- It's interesting, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like this is, a, that's an, it's an interesting thing that you can't help but think about. Right, right. I've, I have thought about this conjoined siblings. I'm like, how, what if one of you falls for somebody and then you can never be alone with that? You know what I mean? Right. That person, it's very like, yeah, it seems awkward. So, so is this kind of played- for some reason, I think just looking at what I just saw, what you said, is it 
is it played fairly like normal or is it kind of surreal like is it kind of david lynch weird or is it kind of more normal than that <laughs> i mean i think it's more normal than that and okay. i i was looking at letterbox reviews oh okay <laughs> and I and I saw some people mention that they thought this was Lynchian, and I I don't necessarily agree with that. By the way, I just saw it was like an IMDb review on the page that was like kind of David Lynchian. I'm like, well, people say things a lot of things are Lynchian, but they're not. <laughs> right. So yeah, I um, don't think so. It's <laughs> it's I I think what it is is there is something uncanny about about their condition. And that sounds really ableist and shitty, which I hate, but I think there is that that kind of that that there's that thing about human nature that you know we something that is out of the ordinary. Right. Or different from kind of what we consider average right um, something that we we view as extreme it's human nature to have a lot of questions and and to just be trying to wrap your mind around something so out far outside of your own experience and i think there's an element of that in this film uh, i was like i i hadn't rewatched it in a while because it wasn't streaming anywhere forever and then i found out about this fubo thing but i don't know what the hell that is i can't find fubo anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> someone tell me where to find fubo yeah where's fubo and then i got i i went ahead and ordered the dvd because like i need it i need to have it <laughs> and and I, so i was a little scared like what if some of this stuff hasn't aged very well uh, but i i think and maybe, you know, there, there's probably some elements that haven't, but I, I do think the film does anybody who gawks or, or makes shitty comments to the twins, mm -hmm. they're, they're, the film does a pretty good job of, of having a counterpoint to that, of someone challenging that behavior. Uh, the twins themselves, the dialogue where they, have really smart and biting responses for people right right <laughs> like you would i would imagine uh, yeah you, you probably heard deal with with people's ignorance or everything at that point yeah curiosity <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's yeah it's just the the michelle hicks character she's kind of a precursor to the the manic pixie dream girls of the 2000s <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> but I like her a lot better. Oh, okay. <laughs> but there's no way around it. Like when you see her, she's got the big eyes <laughs> and the very kind of dramatic dark hair, pale skin mm -hmm. and, and kind of that, you know, the, the small voice, but she's great. I love yeah. her. I think her, her character brings a lot of the empathy in the movie and and i i feel like there's a real chemistry between her and the blake character so this is one it is worth tracking it down and i i think critics receive this pretty well it got some positive critic reviews 
And I think it it won a couple of film festival awards. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what hurt this film is that like nobody saw it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's been so hard to track it down since. Right. That's when, when it's and hard to see. Yes. Yeah. And 99 was such a big year. Right. I was going to say that too. So it's a, many films came out in 99. But this one just kind of, you know, faded. <laughs> that yeah that uh i had to bring it back out into the spotlight i appreciate that I I, oh the dvd is not expensive it looks like maybe i'm wrong maybe. Yeah, it, it's reasonable <laughs> it's reasonable yeah unless i can find fubo uh <laughs> i'm googling it right now okay googling fubo or the movie fubo okay let's what solve let's solve the mystery of fubo <laughs> oh Oh, oh, this is weird. Oh, okay. It's sports focused live TV streaming. Why do they have Twin Falls Idaho? <laughs> oh, that's strange. Fubo TV is the world's only sports focused. That's why I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> sports focused live TV streaming uh, service with top leagues and teams plus popular shows, movies, and news. Well, <laughs> oh, is it like, I wonder if like is it Fubo gets its name from football? Football, like maybe. Football. Is it like um, I have Sling, which is like paying for cable on an app, <laughs> uh, you know, instead of actually having cable. So I wonder if Fubo is right. like sports a sports focused. I I feel like I've searched for Fubo and haven't found it on my uh, either Roku or my Xbox. I have stuff on both. But I don't, I feel like I looked for Fubo and I couldn't find Fubo. So um, very weird. Yeah. All right. I'll look it up. I'll look it up again. It's a Cause, thing. Because there's been stuff I've seen on <laughs> there before where I'm like, I want to see this movie. And it's only on Fubo. And it's like, how is this the only place that has this movie? <laughs> like, this has happened before. Fubo's over there. Like, we got sports and obscure 90s movies. <laughs> like, Yeah. And I mean, this weird. is an obscure 90s movie. Yeah. It's so weird that things from the 90s, which doesn't seem that long ago, even if it might be, uh, are like some lost films. Like there's movies that are just hard to see um, like this. The one I'm going to mention last is the one that I was like, it's not available anywhere, but it's worth finding the the region free uh, or the region B Blu-ray. But um, yeah, we should not be losing movies from the 90s. Like it wasn't that long ago. It's not like we're losing movies from the, the 20s and 30s. Like this is... Yeah, this it is breaks not, my heart. It's very weird. Um, so... Okay, Twin Falls, Idaho sounds fascinating. <laughs> I gotta find this now. So, um, anything else in that one before I do my last pick? Uh, no. Just okay. that it's it's just so beautiful. I I just I, I my impassioned plea, like someone else needs to stream this. It needs to stream somewhere other than Fubo TV. <laughs> no offense to Fubo TV, but I don't know anyone who has that. Yeah. Um, Next week somebody... we'll be sponsored by Fubo, Fubo Team. <laughs> Fubo on Film Feast. I don't know. There's a lot of F's there. Uh, we can make it work. Uh, <laughs> Fubo, just make yourself available. Um, I'm so tired. I don't want to even say anymore. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Couldn't remember Alan Rickman's fucking name. I've seen Die Hard 200 times. <laughs> Losing my mind. It's a long day, friend. It has. It's only Tuesday, but wow, it feels like it's been... <laughs> a long week um okay well i guess i will bring it on home here with my last pick that um i think is objectively the best movie i've mentioned uh it should be available like this is a movie that 
I you just can't believe it's not easier to see. Um, have you seen Strange Days from 1985? So Strange Days, <laughs> mm-hmm. I've seen in bits and pieces like on TV, like back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's been a very long time. Like I, I don't know that I've ever watched it from start to finish. Wow. Okay. But I, I mean, do remember seeing bits and pieces over the years. I feel like it got played on like FX a lot. Yes, <laughs> like I feel like, yeah. cause it's a Fox movie, which I think is part right. of the problem why it's okay. There there's this one I was talking about earlier, way earlier when I said I bought the German region B Blu-ray, it's only $18 <laughs> on Amazon and it's prime oh. like delivery. Like, and it's a great Blu-ray. I just watched their day. It, you would think it was just a normal Blu-ray, the region a, um, nice. Yeah, finally, I dust off that region-free player I bought began the pandemic. <laughs> it's a great investment. I just haven't used it very much. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's so weird. It has a DVD that's a piece of shit. I would not recommend. <laughs> like I watched it on the DVD <laughs> and it something, I'm not good with like aspect ratio, but it's so weird. Like it's not meant for modern TVs. Like the picture is so yeah. small. It's like a postage stamp. It's how you're, and you have to like do all this weird stretch and zoom stuff on your screen to get it to make to look kind of decent. Um, watching the Blu-ray, I was like, this is like a breath of fresh air. Um, it's so good. It's one, I think it's, it's hard to say one of the best movies in the 90s because there's a lot of competition for best movies in the 90s. But it's, it's, and it's, I'm sure it's only underrated because it's underseen because it's, you can't stream it anywhere. It's a crappy out of print DVD, I think. Uh, and I think it's something to do with, it's Fox title. James Cameron wrote and produced it. And we know James Cameron stuff's like, kind of funky like he's been holding off on like true lies mm-hmm. and the abyss forever um so even though Catherine bigelow directed this i think james cameron is kind of his baby i don't know why he didn't direct it because this is 95 so he's like a few years from t2 i guess i'm probably busy with true lies i'm thinking about this i kind of forgot true lies but but uh i guess he gave it to Catherine bigelow I, they either were married or dated i don't remember they were a couple of some kind and um I love Catherine Bigelow. She, I almost put two of her movies on this list and I was like, She's oh, great. I should probably do one. I did. Have you ever heard of Blue Steel with Jamie Lee Curtis? Oh, wow. It's a wild, it's a wild movie. I think who else is in it? Um, I think like Ron Silver is, it's uh, like the serial. vaguely familiar. But trying I don't to kill her. She's like it. a rookie cop and like stops a um, uh, robbery. Yeah, it is Ron Silver. So she stops a robbery and Ron Silver is like a guy who just sees her stop the robbery, becomes like obsessed with her and like in love with her. He's like, oh, this woman who saved, you know, a hero. And um, then it becomes, uh, she's like a cat and mouse game with this psychopath obsessed with her. Clancy Brown's in there too. Um, It's very good. It's like, but I just was like, well, I gotta go with Strange Days. So anyway, so Strange Days, if you haven't seen, most people haven't seen it because it's so unavailable. very cool concept. Uh, Ray Fines plays a guy who's it's in the future, but only a little bit in the future. So it's 99 from 95. So it's a very like near future for them um, on basically the end of 99. So everyone's like, Oh, 2000, what's going to happen? You know, that whole, <laughs> like, it's it a, was a real thing. It was a real big deal. I remember thinking power grid was going to go down and planes going to fall in the sky. And, um, <laughs> I mean, the whole movie has everyone like the lead up to New Year's 2000 people saying it's the end of the world and this stuff. And um, Ray Fiennes plays a guy who is kind of a sort of drug dealer, but he's dealing in people's memories because they have the technology to sell you someone's memory. So it's like people can, 
I feel like and they're pretty honest. I feel like most of it's people trying to get like people's sexual memories. It's like, I want to have a threesome. So give me that memory. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's, it's any technology. Yeah. Any technology is immediately the first sex. applicable use is related to sex. sex in some way. So he's, he's a former cop turned like street hustler slash kind of drug dealer, but he's dealing in memories, not drugs. And like, he's, um, it's all this lingo about like, you know, jacked in you but you know all this like kind of techno lingo um i love that stuff i love that stuff all that too. like cyberpunk kind of yeah it's very cyberpunk it's uh um they do a good job i feel like it's when you go in the future when you go barely in the future you don't want to overdo it and i feel like they're pretty good about like you know it's only four years 95 so it's not like it's gonna be flying cars or anything but it's like little things um and he he's selling these memories to people and um it he gets there's a lot going on it's a very big sprawling movie um he kind of gets involved in this conspiracy because he gets a recording um from a prostitute that kind of shows like her, her murder and he's like she's involved in some larger conspiracy um and it involves his ex-girlfriend who's played by juliette lewis uh who's Love great lewis. gets to sing and she can really sing in real life so she does like some songs um and Ray finds is like his friend slash, I don't know what you call her. I feel like she's like his babysitter for a while because he's like a mess. Uh, Angela Bassett is like his confidant friend. Yeah. Angela Bassett is so fucking awesome in Strange Days. <laughs> like, it's she's Ray Fon- great. She's so good. And she's like, I feel like he's, I'm trying to think of what another example would be. It's like, she's almost like a sidekick, but she does all the ass kicking. He doesn't do it. He's like kind of, <laughs> like she saves him constantly. <laughs> like he's getting beat up. She comes in and kicks everybody's ass. Um. She's so cool in this. Uh, Times Tom Sizemore shows up in a ridiculous looking wig. Uh, <laughs> it's like Michael Wincott also in a kind of a ridiculous wig. I love Michael Wincott from The Crow. Um, great bad guy. Um, they, oh, there's so much going on in this movie. I, I would say without spoiling it, but so it becomes this kind of thing with him kind of going deeper and deeper into this conspiracy. There, it touches on stuff that is still sadly relevant about like police brutality um yeah. uh I, there's it's weird because there's kind of a whole plot i think i don't like the spoiler but like what you know this is i think before both tupac and biggie are both killed and there's a whole thing about a rapper being killed and mm-hmm. how the lapd mm-hmm. may or may not be involved or they're covering it up and um like there's just so much like stuff about um racial things and and uh, police brutality and all these things that are i mean they were relevant in 95 and they're still yes. sadly relevant now um i'm sure a lot of us would probably respond to like the rodney king beating and things that followed like after that um but i'm like well this still all is like you know um yeah it's this big sprawling epic it's super well directed um it's a very cool concept it's like very unique very original um, I love the way it looks. I don't know how much the budget was, but I was like, this must have cost so much money. There's this these huge, like, oh, like $45 million. Yeah. There's these huge scenes, especially near the end, where the big like party scenes for the New Year's where they had like hundreds of extras and it looks amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I remember I, the party scene very distinctly. Yeah, it has a great teaser trailer, you might remember. It's like Ray Fine's talking like right down the camera and just saying, like, he's like trying to sell you the thing about like, do you want to you know, jacket and whatever they say. Like, do you want people's memories? And like, um, it's all very cool. I don't, it bombed terribly. Like it bombed so bad that uh, it nearly killed Captain Bigelow's career, basically. 
Um, because I don't know, it costs like 45, and I think made like 10 back or something. Like, so it was rough for her. Um, oh, it made like less than eight million. Jesus. So yeah, Ouch. it was a terrible bomb. I don't know what happened. I think people didn't get the concept at the time. Um, I don't know how they marketed it either. I don't know if it was tough to market. I mean, it is kind of complicated. Like it's hard to say what it's about, you know, it's like right. in one concise thing. Um, but I think it's an amazing movie. It's, uh, it's, I'm sure if it was easier to see people, we talk about all the time, but it's just absolutely not easy to see. So, but if anybody has a region free player, I recommend to go on Amazon is buy that Blu-ray. Cause it looks great. It's yeah. I mean, it's, it's so worth it. So yeah, it's an awesome movie. So if you get a chance, check it out. <laughs> Do you have, a, you, didn't you buy a region free player? I bought a region okay. free blue player. <laughs> I, again, I can't, I cannot <laughs> abide <laughs> films that are impossible to get your hands on. And sometimes they, it is possible to get some international, you know, some copy from another part of the world and I need to be able to see it. I just, I can't, I, I can't handle it. I can't take well, it. Hopefully I sold you on it. So you can put that player to use. <laughs> no, it, it's so, so strange days is one that that comes up sometimes and having seen, having gotten a taste for it, mm -hmm. having, having seen it, it, bits and pieces on TV back in the day, I've for years wanted to be able to revisit it and actually like sit down and properly watch it. Yeah. It feels like a thing you would like, I think, I really think it'd be up your alley. <laughs> Cause again, like, I mean, I was a hot mess in the nineties. So <laughs> I, I feel like this is the kind of thing that I, I would have loved it, but I was off the rails. So I missed this one and I, we need to rectify that. Like it's time. Yeah. This gets my highest recommendation of anything I talk about. Like this so they, is. So someone needs to, people need to get it together. What is it going to take? <laughs> It's I tough. Mean, I'll, I'll buy yeah. the Blu-ray. I'll buy it. Yeah. That's fine. I'm just <laughs> saying like my righteous indignation gets stirred. I understand. I mean, this is one that always comes up on like lists of movies that you would think would be like available to stream, but they're not like movies that are unavailable because it's mm -hmm. a big studio. It's big names attached like Captain Bigelow and James Cameron. It's a lot of big stars, like big movie. It's like all this stuff that should be like, this should be easy to see. Yeah. And it's not. And the weird thing was on my Blu-ray, I feel like it said Universal, not Fox. I don't know if Universal had like the international rights and Fox had the domestic. Could be. That happens um, sometimes. Yeah. So maybe that's why you can get like a German Blu-ray and not a United States and one. not a US. I, this is one of those things too where I, I know a lot of times people say, I'm going to buy the, the import and then a new one's going to come out. I don't, I got a feeling this won't get like a good release anytime soon because as we know, if it's James Cameron, it's going to take 10 years like he can't even get his own movies out so i'm assuming true lies and abyss are ahead of this this is not like on the front I of his agenda so. so i really you know sometimes i'm like i don't know because you know it you might it might get another release in the states but it's it's 18 bucks and i feel like that's a it's not like super cheap it's not but bad it's not bad and it's it looks great it's not like some shitty blu-ray <laughs> like um it's funny because i know it should have been on my recommendations or like my discoveries list i think that would have been last year even with how bad the dvd looks when i first watched it. <laughs> but i'm like i might need to do like a redo this year and be like it should have been on the list i'm putting it on this year because 
watching again on the blu-ray good quality i was like this movie's amazing i it's yeah it's pretty awesome (laughs) so yeah yeah I, i guess i guess that's it i guess that's our five thank god we didn't do 10 <laughs> I think oh, I asked at one I point. I mean, I just don't even know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of honorable mentions, but like, I I could probably go through them with you and be like, I've, this. I've got I've got a few honorable mentions. For me, <laughs> it was it was films that you 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 can't get a hold of. Oh. Uh-huh. Or or where it's really difficult. And so, like, okay, this would have absolutely been on my list, but it's not streaming anywhere. It was streaming for a month on oh. Criterion channel. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and that was the first time I had ever seen it streaming anywhere. And so when I went, I, I, over the years, I've, I've went looking for the DVD and at various times it was affordable, but I didn't pull the trigger on it. And then later the price would fluctuate and it was more expensive or it was no longer I couldn't find it in the same places where I used to see it. Uh, so in, in preparation for, <laughs> for coming up with this list, I was like, oh, Titus from 1999 needs to be on this list. I've heard of, I've seen the cover. Very striking. Hey, Anthony Hopkins, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. That's unavailable? And, yeah. Wow. Okay. And, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then I... <laughs> So this last week I went on the hunt. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I searched on Amazon and the DVD was going for $73. Oh dear God. <laughs> I almost did it. <laughs> luckily, uh, luckily, uh-huh. I like talked myself off the ledge and was like, okay, well, let's let's look a little, let's look elsewhere first. Yeah, yeah. I was able to get a copy of the two disc DVD version on eBay for 35 bucks. Oh, wow. There you go. (laughs) It has not arrived yet, but it is in the mail, so to speak. There you go. (laughs) But I, 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 and so I've been wanting to own this forever, but I kept thinking someone will put out a, a, a new release of it. They have to. I don't know what the deal is with this movie because I saw Titus when it first came out on video in the late 90s. I remember um, seeing the cover all the time at the video store. Like it always struck me that cover with like the yeah. mask, I guess on it's like, it's, it's, it's Anthony. It's a, cl- it's a real mm-hmm. close tight shot of Anthony Hopkins face and his face is covered in like this, like clay paint. Oh, that's yep. Mm-hmm. And you, you see part of a, um, a helmet. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Titus <laughs> is an adaptation of William Shakespeare's Titus Andronicus. Ah, that's what I thought. Okay. I, I remember, yeah, I thought I'd seen on stream places before, like, because that cover again is so striking. Like, so I'm surprised so that it's good that it's not in available. It's artsy. <laughs> it's weird and who, surreal. Who directed it? Do you know? Oh, goodness. Sorry for you on the spot. I can just go to IMDb. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have the name off the top of my head. I know if it was somebody it's, I would know. Yeah. It's such a beautiful film. And and the 90s was was the heyday. Oh, okay. Of Shakespeare adaptations. Yes, there was a lot <laughs> there of those. So many. What kicked that off? Like I, I, I live for that shit. <laughs> 
I love it. Because I can usually I pinpoint love, like love, love what spurs that. Do you know what spurred that? Like there usually is one big hit movie and then they rush in with the. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. There were so many. <laughs> oh, Julie, Julie Taymor directed Titus. Yes. She also did Across the Universe and Frida. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yep. Wow. Um, it's yeah, there was, gorgeous. <laughs> there was also a... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, please. I, that was a, some stupid joke, but I was like, there was also a lot of Shakespeare adaptations that were like teen movies, <laughs> like 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. <laughs> and there were. Oh, and what were the other ones? There was a lot of like... So there was a lot of like straightforward ones and then a lot of like, let's just adapt this into like a teen movie of some sort. Shakespeare was hot in the 90s. It was. Like, it was. Oh, and man. I, you ate it up. Board. Oh, maybe yes. it was the, well, I would say maybe the Romeo and Juliet thing. Oh, the, that was the, huge. So that was big. So maybe after that, but then none of them were like, <laughs> it's like that was, well, that none was of them so were like that. Right. That, that was its own thing. It was fascinating. Um, but Titus, Titus in some ways, captures some of that same feeling just in the fact that it's very surreal and you got a lot of really striking visuals mm -hmm. but it's not it doesn't have that say it doesn't have like the frenetic music video quality <laughs> uh -huh. of of Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet this one is yeah a lot of striking visuals very surreal but it's not as not as chaotic. Gotcha. Okay. But very dark. Mm -hmm. Like it's, and you guys. I mean, there's just so many great performers. For that one glorious month, you could stream it on Criterion Channel, but sadly, <laughs> no more. Isn't that so weird too? That it's like it's clearly available in some format in HD because they streamed it. I'm assuming in HD, so it like yeah. they have this good stream of it why can it not <laughs> it's like i don't know it's I so weird it why does it get locked away um okay that's interesting because i didn't know that was so hard to find um i have a couple here actually i'm kind of curious on your take if you think they're underrated or not because okay. these are uh a movie i know was underrated and not liked when i was younger because it was like a punchline and now it's like beloved joe versus the volcano with tom hanks oh <laughs> it doesn't feel underrated anymore to me, it's like everyone who talks about it loves it. Yeah, I hear positive things about it now. <laughs> I, I really liked it when I, I watched it, it. I hear it. Yeah, I, I definitely, I feel like I hear it <laughs> remembered more fondly now. Yeah, I, that's, I think it was one of those things that like the, the name was such an easy punching bag and it was like a failure. So it was like, yeah. Um, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai, I thought we got a Criterion. I don't think, mm. I don't know. It's definitely cult, but I don't, it's a, uh, uh, I almost put, it's hard. Some of these people have, they're big directors. So I don't think their stuff's underrated. Like um, The Quick and the Dead by Sam Raimi. Okay. I feel like Sam Raimi's so popular right now. It's like, yeah. Uh, I almost put David Cronenberg's Crash in here. <laughs> I think oh. we're both fans of. Um, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I guess that movie can never be too popular because it's so off-putting for people. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, I, I think of it as a cult <laughs> film uh -huh. because it's so divisive. Right. Yeah. And it's not for general audiences at all. Like it is right. not yeah, ever. It's not a movie that works for everybody. No. 
but I think because it's Cronenberg and the buzz of the controversy, right? <laughs> like even if even if people didn't go see it in the movie theater, like people saw the movie and knew about it. I feel like yeah, <laughs> it was like oh, it's it. the yeah, it's the fucking well car crash <laughs> the car crash fucking movie uh which i oh god i think i told this story before and i was like ooh nc-17 crash and then i watched it and i was like this is not what i expected <laughs> this is not sexy uh i'm scared i uh, love it so much i do really love it now it's one of my love favorite it. of, it's so uh, oh it's a whole nother tangent we i i don't have you done i feel like someone's talked about crash recently you didn't do anything on crash did you like on another podcast anytime in the past year or so uh, no someone did mention it on a podcast recently that wasn't me maybe maybe and Lindsay I've, and I've I've mentioned it before elsewhere but just like in passing like <laughs> I feel like, like there's an know, episode just... about crash is why possibly <laughs> like that would be a heck of a conversation <laughs> yeah. I would love it <laughs> let me just throw i'm i'm just throwing my hat in the ring for that because i mean i don't know who else i would even call for i have this. so much to say yeah about crash now that, that was one too that was actually kind of unavailable for a long time there was like an out of oh free, yeah there was a dvd and there was it wasn't streaming anywhere but now it has like a nice 4k well and this is one of the ones where that oh. where you know when they say like oh yeah if you go buy the dvd like sure as shit a blu-ray is gonna come out yeah is that <laughs> yeah. that's what happened yeah i uh i i don't i think i had the dvd for a while and then the 4k came out but i definitely was like i threw that dvd in the trash i was get out of here i got a 4k now it's like oh i keep them both i oh okay yeah you never i toss those yeah what could happen friends <laughs> that's you're making me paranoid now <laughs> like oh no my 4ks were set on fire i i mean i'm paranoid so that's i understand um <laughs> it rubs off <laughs> sorry <laughs> there it's understandable we might need to crash crash would be so interesting uh i've so got yeah. so much to say i almost the other chronograph we almost put was uh existence which oh. actually might be more <laughs> underrated now than crash i don't know i think so okay yeah. okay um but again the fact that it's Cronenberg, it's always going to come up in some you know what i mean it's like because right. the director's so it famous it's talked about yeah for sure. um there was a whole bunch of John Carpenter movies in the nineties. I was, but I feel like they all kind of got reappraised. I was going to put like escape from LA and the math of madness is definitely like beloved now, but like, yes, I, I yeah. watch escape from LA probably more than I, I definitely saw before escape from New York. And when I was younger, oh, wow. it was on HBO constantly. HBO <laughs> must've had the rights to escape from LA vampires and ghosts from Mars because they played all three of them mm. like, all the time. And I end up really liking all three of them. You know, they're like underrated, not well-liked carpet movies compared to the other stuff. Um, for a while, I actually liked Escape from LA more than Escape from New York. But I have since changed <laughs> changed my mind on that. But I still do like, I like it a lot. Um, and actually, that's everything I really, there were some other ones, but yeah. But uh, those ones, I was like, I don't know. Um, so I don't know. We yeah, there, was, there were a couple of other things that I toyed with. Like I toyed with putting blood in blood out very hard to see right on this because it's very hard to see which yeah is why i, I want to see it off yeah and i also kind of felt like <sighs> blood in blood out is one of those difficult it's difficult to categorize because i i feel like in some places it's 
like there's pockets of communities where everybody every like when i was growing up in my hometown everybody saw blood and blood out right like <laughs> we saw all those gangster movies like that was <laughs> it was like a thing but but i feel like there's probably other places mm-hmm. in the country or different generations that that maybe haven't seen it and because it's so difficult to get um yeah which I think is part of the whole I think I think you can still get the DVD like copies of the DVD for pretty cheap oh okay I I think I I purchased a copy for five bucks um some time back but it's yeah it's one of those it's one of those films that is just really hard to get and I feel like people who saw it that will never forget it (laughs) Uh uh-huh it's got like that iconic 90s uh, Chicano street gang and prison gang thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because there was quite a few films with that explored those themes in the 90s. And in some ways, it's like Blood In, Blood Out is... is <laughs> it's like this sprawling epic because it's almost three hours long. It's like two hours oh, wow. and 45 minutes or something yeah yeah i think it's something to do with like disney rights or fox or something like it's a weird mm, thing with uh, something like that oh it's hollywood pictures i'm looking at the back of the dvd and hollywood pictures is like a sub company of right disney and all that stuff's all fucked up with rights now <laughs> so um the dvd is cheap though i'm looking on ebay i'll have to go back and yeah, look for a cheap, good one but i yeah i just as an experiment i was with some friends and so i asked like okay have y'all seen blood in blood out about my honor? Uh-huh. And like one person was like, Oh yeah, of course. And the other person was like, what's that? And I was like, yeah, it might qualify. Yeah. I, I the people that have seen it, like I know, love it. I've seen people host about it. Yeah. And like, it's like a seminal film for some people. Like it was a huge deal when they were younger or something. I saw it like when it came out and it was like a big deal in their house or whatever. Like, it seems like people that love it, like really love it. Um, but the rest of us have just, we haven't seen it and we can't see yeah. it very easily. So, um, but I thought, okay, the DVD is way cheaper than I thought. So that's good to know. Uh, cause I thought it was like way out of print, way hard to see. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, anything else you can think of you wanted to mention before we wrap up or. Oh man. <laughs> oh, I think those, those were the big ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought, I thought about like, there was some that I was thinking like, oh, maybe this. But well, like here's an example, like like circle of friends. Sounds very familiar. Was, that- yeah, mini driver and oh, I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. But it's like it was like the mini driver film before she did Goodwill Hunting. Oh, okay. And at the time, like it got some critical acclaim, but like I feel like after Goodwill Hunt, like you just never heard about it anymore. Hmm, okay. <laughs> like, it just kind of got overshadowed. Interesting. Yeah. I, we could probably do a part two with this. impossible to find. Like, oh, that's, that's so frustrating, all these 90s movies. It's like, it's not that old. Me. Why are we losing these I can't movies? Take it. I can't um, take it. It's tough. So we could probably do a part two of this someday. And I, I it's funny because I could definitely do a 2000s or a 2010. I actually have those listed on Letterboxd so, that I made nice. like a long time ago. Um, so if you're down for that, this was fun though. Uh, do you want to read our five back? Oh, I should. Yes. Okay. You go ahead and read your Let's five. Do that. So 
my five underappreciated 90s gems Untamed Heart from 1993, Killing Zoe 1993, Night Watch from 1997, Clay Pigeons from 1998, and last but not least, Twin Falls, Idaho from 1999. Okay, good stuff. I don't have the years on mine, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wing it. Uh, Cabin Boy <laughs> from 1994. Hope I get all these right. The Big Hit from 1998. Uh, Toy Soldiers from 1991. <laughs> uh, Strange Days from 1995, and The Replacement Killers from 1998. I think I I think I did that. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds about right. I got I got in the habit of using years because of all the titles that are so similar. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause like like Nightwatch, a great Nightwatch, example. Yes, there's so Night many. Watch and you're like, okay, well, which one? Right. <laughs> there's there's a Nightwatch. Yeah, there's a Nightwatch that was like for some reason always prevalent at like the video store. The DVD it was like it, it was like a blue the and vampire red vampire movie. Yeah, I think it's vampire. It's like four and two. It's from yeah, Russian. Russian. Yeah, and it's like blue and red or something. It has like a face on the cover. It's, Have you seen it? I've never seen it. I just saw the cover oh, for years. Go watch it. Okay. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it might be streaming right now somewhere. Seem pretty available. Be surprised. That it's one's... cool. It's very stylized. Okay. I think that guy went on like to. All, there's all this lore because it's, it's, it's an adaptation of a book, but yeah, it's. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that director went on to do like wanted, I think <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Um, yes. Uh, Timor. Oh God. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Berkmanitov. Uh, yeah, I think he went on to do like Wanted and I can't remember what else he did. Um, but I've never seen Nightwatch, but I saw the cover again for years. It's like the video store. I saw so many covers of stuff that I never actually rented and they, they oh, stuck with me though. The beauty, the beauty oh. of the video store. <laughs> also a lost relic of the night. Fond, fond oh. memory. Yeah, the so. way we used to watch movies, like the periods of my life where we would just like going to out to the movie theater was like the outing and and there were all of these kind of event movies that you just needed to go and see mm-hmm. cuz you didn't you didn't know how long it would be until it would be available for rent or right. on TV yeah yeah the so window just, like, felt wanted, much longer it to, felt to, so much longer from theater to uh video felt like it was like a year or something yeah. like it. I mean, maybe it wasn't like felt like that long. And now it's like stuff's out in like two months. You can yeah. you can rent it digitally. It's like it's. I mean, it's it's pretty cool, but it's still like there's a. It's so and different. even so, I find myself complaining like an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I can't um, help it. Like you know, it's I, human nature. I get it. I get it. It's we we have. But yes, it used to feel like an eternity. Yes, such a long wait. If like, you missed and films also like used to run ones that were doing well, right. Would run in the theater for much longer. Well, that's true. That's true. Titanic ran from like, like just November, oh December God. to like May or June of the next year. It felt like oh, it was number Jesus. one for like 15 weeks. Um, yes. Yeah. I ended up actually having to see that twice in the movie theater. Oh, wow. You say have to see it twice. Like you I, were taken by well, force. Well, no. So, Okay. <laughs> Here's this. I'll tell you the little story. This okay. is the kind of stuff that used to happen in the nineties. So, so when Titanic came out, like it was like the big movie, everyone has to go see it. Right. Right. So 
So I went and saw Titanic the first time and, and it was all right. Like, it's just not really my thing. Like I get why it won awards. I get why people love it. The people that love it, that love it. Like I get it. It's just not my thing. It's, mm. it's just not my kind of movie. Um, and you know, and then it ran forever uh-huh. and ever and ever. And it had all the awards buzz and that song, that Celine Dion song was everywhere. It was like, just do your head in. Yeah. And, and then, so. I kind of so loved then, it though. Uh, <laughs> my mom played it nonstop. It was on the radio. We go to the tape. I feel like it was like, it was, is it on the radio? It was on the radio constantly. It was, it was everywhere. We got everywhere. the car. It was on. Yeah. And we didn't, and we didn't have no YouTube. There was no Spotify. Like if we yeah. didn't have those things. Like you put on the radio, you put right. on MTV or VH1 or BET. That's what you got. <laughs> that's all you got. That's it. Right. You got what you're that's given. You that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is what we got. You're going to take it. You're going to like it. Uh, and so, so, so that, that next Valentine's day mm-hmm. went on a double date. Oh, okay. <laughs> with, with this uh, guy I was dating at the time. And, and my friends who were a couple who they are, are married to this day. Oh, wow. <laughs> Love them. Love that they're still together. They're wonderful. <laughs> and we still joke about this Valentine's day because we were going to go to a movie uh-huh. and my date insisted on, like, he was really campaigning hard to go see, I think mean, it ended up being his idea that we go in and watch Titanic. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so I, don't, I, I kind of, it's kind of fuzzy now. Like, I don't even think we saw the whole thing like that second time, but it was miserable. <laughs> None of us wanted to watch Titanic. Oh, okay. And we got stuck watching it again. And then we ordered a pizza and the pizza never came. Oh, that's and a tragedy. This, is back, this yeah. is back when there was no online ordering. There was no app. Right. You couldn't track where that pizza was. Yeah. No, you called and placed your order. And then when it didn't show up 45 minutes later, you called the store back to see if they could find <laughs> out where pizza. pizza was. Yeah. And like, they didn't have cell phones. Right. Especially pizza drivers. I feel like delivery drivers. Right. Can, yeah. <laughs> we didn't have cell phones. That was like businessmen in so, their cars. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> so our, you know, our pizza was just gone. So we got no pizza. We were starving. We had sat through Titanic against our will. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a hostage issue yeah. but at least the hostage usually get pizza i feel like <laughs> right the guy calls in pizza right. that's yeah. wow that's the worst yeah that um well i'm sorry you had such a bad time <laughs> oh i'm over here <laughs> the whole time i was like i kind of still like it <laughs> but i you am see, so, like pe- i yeah, I got wronged. I think is what happened. I mean, that could why, sour you on it. Yeah, it's, it's part of why I think I'm I'm so anti. But it's just not my kind of movie. But I get why people love it. Well, it's not my kind of movie either. But I don't know. I it, probably I saw it so young and it was like could a be. big deal. We watched a lot. I don't. It, I mean, <laughs> just remember like was, that was PG thirteen, and we were all shocked when there was nudity. <laughs> like I remember. Yeah. Somebody it was the like me. The steamy car window. The steamy car window. I don't know what was going on. Uh, it was like they. Uh, I think we went with like me, my mom, my sister, 
and my grandparents. And I feel like my grandpa like covered my eyes during the nudity, but then I could like peek out and see him. And he was like laughing, like at the whole, I guess how my mom was very upset. She was like, oh, cover his eyes. Like, don't let him see. <laughs> and uh, he was just laughing as he's covering my eyes. Um, Cause I feel like he was probably like, this is great. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I didn't expect this. Uh, I, yeah. So that, and I feel like we just watched it. We had the tape, the double tape, the double VHS. Yeah. Um, we played the song. I, I still, I have a fondness for all of it. I'm not kind of sick of it. I still, the movie, the Celine Dion song. I'm like, I'm all in. I could still okay. hear it. I'm still, <laughs> but if you had a bad we experience. All, we all have those movies, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. You it's know? understandable. So uh, I love how we talked about underrated 90s movies ended talking about like the biggest movie of the day. <laughs> like I what know. a journey. I just thought it was funny that we ended up there. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of unavoidable, right? Like it's true. Tell with the 90s, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it was a thing. It was a thing. Like, and I, I feel like it was because of how prevalent going to the movie theater was and right. then the prevalence of video stores. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all had kind of this common experience of everyone going to see the big blockbuster, whatever it was. Right. Now there's so many choices. It's like, <laughs> and then you also had the ability to rent obscure. Right. Or little known movies from your video store like we had we had all of that right and now we're so time. It, it was magic we were more we we're more together on our entertainment choices because there were more limited and now yes. there's so many things it's like everyone you meet watching something different and i'm like i'm watching the blue blog diaries on peacock i'm like what the fuck is that <laughs> like that's not real uh what are you talking about and it's like I'm watching this game show about penguins on Netflix. Like what? Like it's like things you've even heard of. And it's like we're also we're also like we have so many choices and it's just bananas. Like we said, it was like we all liked Titanic because you know that was the big movie. And uh, of course, the there's, still, there's still big movies. Obviously, it's like Marvel stuff mostly. There but are. you know, um, uh, yeah, like the 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 TV stuff, especially. It's like everyone's watching something different. I just that's why I gave up on TV because I can't keep up with all the shows like yeah that everyone wants me to watch like, well, you know again like even the movies that make it to the theater like they're not they're not running as long as they used to no 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 even if they're like making a lot of money i feel like they take them out quicker like right they don't so. run for very long so so sometimes you you want to catch something but if if in that two week window two three week window you've got life stuff going on that prevents you from making it to the theater. Like you're out of luck. You're going to watch it at home because yeah. this is like, there's a movie coming out this weekend and recording this called men, the new Alice Garland movie, Yeah, which I'm really worried if I don't catch the first weekend, we'll be gone almost instantly because I feel like it's not going to do well. I just, I hate to be doom and gloom about it, but I'm like, I just think it's, it, it's a 24, I think. So maybe that'll give it a boost, but like, I just feel like it looks so weird and, Everyone, no one I know, I think knows about this movie, but I know, and I'm like, I got to see it as soon as possible. We'd be gone. Like the stuff like disappears so quickly. So. Absolutely. No, <sighs> yeah. recently I went and saw the the biggest movie weekend of the year for me thus far. <laughs> I went and saw the Northman and the umbrella weight of massive oh, talent. I did the that same, same weekend. I did that same double on the it, same day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't do it on the same day. I okay. Did it yeah. on a Friday and a Sunday. But like I bought my tickets in advance. Right. 
Like, like, I is... need to get out there and see these now. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know how long it'll be here. And also, like, I want them to have a good opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Even though oh. I think at this point, it's kind of ridiculous that we're even talking box office numbers anymore because <laughs> right, it's just so changed. Mm-hmm. I don't think you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that's a much larger discussion. <laughs> it's different, but, yeah. Yeah. And Northman's wanted, already on wanted to, digital. Wanted to put my money where my mouth was. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt too. It was like I had these two smaller movies. Oh, even though Northman has like a large budget, I was Huge like, budget. it's like it still felt weird and smaller. And yeah, but right. I had felt the same way. And Northman's already on digital. Northman yeah. like hit. You could get it digitally now. So it's like, and it was like a month ago, if that. Which it's, I will probably do. Yeah, I think I'm probably waiting for the 4k or blu-ray which if it's in a 4k but i'm like still want to buy physical but uh but i don't know maybe <laughs> but i don't know movie landscape is very different that's a whole different topic i think it's like oh, we could really go off about I'm, that yeah we could go off on that forever so. but we've had this this lovely stroll down memory lane this was a very nice conversation that was this was great so i appreciate <laughs> you doing this i felt like i gave you a huge project and I felt like for a while I was stressing about it, but it all ended up being fun in the end. So it was no. And, and I think just thinking about it was really interesting. Trying to like, how do you evaluate this stuff? And, and, and like you mentioned, thinking about how the perception of certain films or the discourse around certain films has changed over time. Right. Right. And, and thinking, and also just thinking about like, well, what, what films would I like to highlight in this discussion that I hope more people would watch? Yes. That was yeah. kind of where I was coming from. There's a lot of factors. <laughs> went into the, yeah. Know? It's like, but that was a big part of it. Like, yeah. what are some films that, that I, I would just really love to share with film feast listeners and hope that they'll be able to track them down and check them out if they haven't seen them or rewatch if you haven't seen it in forever. Yeah. That's, that's important too. Uh, maybe people should people like comment their top five or just their five underrated nineties movies when I drop this episode on Twitter. So oh, I'd just, love it. they should share quote, tweet, quote, tweet, whatever. Uh, I would like to hear other people's picks. Cause there's probably a lot of movies that I'm forgetting about or haven't heard of, you know, that are, cause there's so Absolutely. many, so many movies in that decade that are like now like kind of getting lost. Like we talked about. So yeah. Um, well, anyway, this was a great conversation. Thank you for doing this project that I gave you. No, <laughs> so, thank you for having um, me back. It's always a pleasure. Yes. And we'll talk about Crash at some point. Again. Oh, my God. God. Oh. I I mean, you just say when, my friends. <laughs> I That's the episode I've been I've been waiting for. Oh, man. I that's going to be so interesting. <laughs> I'm like, I'm excited, but I'm also like weirdly nervous because that movie a little, just a little nervous, a little nervous, <laughs> a little scared, yeah, a little scared because Crash scares me a little bit, but I'm fascinated by it. But I'm like, ah, I'm scared. Uh, so. I have this thing. I love coming on people's podcasts and talking about weird sex. This <laughs> is just a thing that I do. Listen, I. <laughs> That was a great episode, by the way, that you did with Lindsay and Mike uh, for Wild Things oh. and Knock Knock. <laughs> so good. It was a lot of fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. I like both movie. those movies a lot, even Knock Knock. I think Knock Knock is entertaining. It has problems, but it's like, it's very entertaining. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a really fun episode. So um Thank yeah, you. I think we'll do it at some point. I oh boy, I'm already nervous thinking about how I'm gonna approach. Uh, I 
see, I'm like really stoked. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, it, it'll happen. Don't at some these point. listeners don't let him chicken out. Don't, they don't won't let now, Matt chicken out. No, no, I'll never hear the end of it now. Now it's going to people, we, people. We put it out there. Accountability. It needs to happen. <laughs> See, oh, boy. And, and this, like, how dare I? I like the audacity. <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I don't have, I don't have the gumption to put out my own podcast and I'm going to strong arm you into doing a particular episode. I mean, I brought it up to be fair. I was like, I, I had, mean, yeah. I'm sorry. That's fine. That's, I, I, I've, I've stepped over the line. You're not the I, first person who's sorry. come I'm on just, here. I'm just so excited about the idea of talking. No, about no. It, I, I think I brought it up. I think I said it first. That was like, I brought up crash on my list and I said, that would be an interesting <laughs> episode. So this is, I'm just, I, I would, I'm excited, but nervous, which is how I feel when I watch crash. I'm like, I'm scared, but I'm excited. Perfect. <laughs> um, I have the 4k. I might as well watch it. Um, oh boy. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> so, uh, I'll, I, it's so late. I got to wrap up, but I, uh, I will yeah, you let do. you go ahead and plug, plug all your stuff. So <laughs> film feast listeners can find me on Twitter and letterboxd same handle for both at Carmelita says so clean and simple good job (laughs) straight to the point you know i'm so tired i don't want to say our stuff people know you can find me on twitter uh it's film feast pod and you should yeah i know i've already started so okay you follow me on twitter at maplet 87 uh the podcast at film feast pod follow me in the podcast on instagram film feast all one word there's an email address i'm uh the film feast at gmail.com I think that's everything. <laughs> so um, thank you guys so much for listening. This was a very fun episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody.